We don't have much time to decide the leader of this expedition. Let me hear your qualifications. I have no sensitivity to temperature, and I can do without any extra clothes, no matter what. I also have sensitivity to spirits. Hmm, very useful. It saves us lots of logistics money. Who else? I have medical training that will help my squad mates stay alive. I also know Kung Fu. Whoa. Extremely useful skills from what I'm hearing, although that Kung Fu might not be real. Who's last? Are you mute? I don't care what you've written. We can't stand here and listen to text-to-speech in a fight. Sorry, you're out. Your backlog, The Final Frontier. These are the voyages of the RPG Backtrack. It's continuing mission to explore games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. To seek out forgotten games and neglected classics. To boldly discuss what you have not played before. RPG Backtrack, the longest-running podcast about your favorite RPGs of the past. Get ready for in-depth discussion of plots, characters, gameplay, and more from the staff of RPGamer.com. Here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Bill Willis and Mike Minky. And this is RPG Backtrack number 208. What the years of Leah? What are you trying to do to me, Minky? I, I just I don't understand these titles you come up with sometimes. Okay, in order to understand what I was thinking here, you have to. Do you know what Zardoz is? Uh, no. The okay. gun is good. The penis is bad. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Zardoz came about because a whole bunch of dust was covering the the title, The Wizard of Oz. So I tried to think of something that could cover up the rest of Zillia, and uh-huh. this was the best I came up with. So. I think I've just done more explanation of our title than ever before. <laughs> for and your that, listening pleasure. And that a deep title for your listening pleasure is brought to you by Mike Minky. I am Phil Willis. We are your host. We are talking about a, a Tales of Subseries with two entries that are both considered major with Tales of Manila Folder 1 and 2. To, <laughs> uh, to help us out with that, we got a, a whole bunch of people. Uh, welcome back. Uh, one of our regulars, Miss Relly Mayan. Oh, it's been like, what, two years now? When are you going to get my name right? I got it right like one time. Remember that one time when I was drinking a lot? Yeah, yes. Yeah. I guess the trick is alcohol. It usually is. Yeah, yeah. And we have uh, Mr. Kashua uh, Jarpender. 
Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. I'm back again. This time uh, talking about a better known series as, as opposed to Summon Night. <laughs> we have uh, something that y'all tell me that, that, that he's been on the show before. I'll take your word for it. We have Eyelash. <laughs> <laughs> That's you, Ash. Oh, what? No, you said he. I'm just I'm so confused. <laughs> he, she, whatever. Welcome aboard. <laughs> I'm glad to be back. It's only been, what, three years since I've actually been on the site, and now I'm back. For more! For more! Oh my gosh. And you managed to make Phil forget about you. I, it doesn't take much. It really, it really doesn't. Sometimes my wife wears just, a name tag just to help me out. I tieflings and rats getting put to sleep. You might remember. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and to confuse me even further, we have another new guy. Uh, the notes here say his name is Mayan Sadcliffe. I, I just, I can't keep up with all these new people. I've got to need a spreadsheet uh, of something. Yeah. Hello, a.k.a. new guy number three. New guy number three. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I heard you guys can teach me about bazongas. Oh, we definitely are all about that. But before we can let uh, before we can let you enjoy the fun of bazonga talk, we have to run you through a gauntlet of questions. All right. Are you on. ready? Your seatbelt's on. My cheat sheet. Okay. My cheat sheet ready. Question number one: What's your handle on art? Well, first of all, what do you think you like to be called? Um, yeah, um, uh, I've got a nickname going uh, about twenty. So to distinguish myself from all the other Ryan, like the movie Scarface, they ended up calling me Scar. And I just all right. So I've I've known that as my nickname for a long time. You can call me Ryan. Either way, either one works. I'm gonna call you new guy, so I'm gonna call you. Um, <laughs> get uh, want to keep your mouth a little closer to Mike or or turn it up a little bit because you're fading out. We don't want that to happen. Uh, so what uh, what do you do at RP Gamer? Um, I news, and sometimes I review games. All right, and what uh, what's your what's your favorite type of RPG? I've been playing them since I was young. Turn bases is probably my tried and true favorite, but you know I'll play a strategy game. Uh, online is something like, that has like a traditional, like a like a Japanese turn based RPG or tactical turn based RPG or you know yeah you know like the old school Final Fantasy. Yeah, like that. and was that kind of how you grew up? Was uh, starting off playing the the Super Nintendo titles, or did you go back further than that? Well, I was. Gifted Final Fantasy was really young. I played it and thought it was. So I had my dad trade it for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ah. Which I a long time. Which Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? The, uh, the regular Nintendo. Was it? Water so, levels not, not the arcade oh, game, but... The one with the water levels. Oh, that one had a hop and soundtrack. Yes. No, never really got far in that one. No, you didn't. There's just... there. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I, I, I played that one so much, and... On those few times that I can make it to the Technodrome, that's where it all ended. You know, I never had a problem with the water level in that. I must have been really a savant. Yeah, the water level, I, you know, I got through the, that. I mean, that that was a little rough the first few times, but I, yeah, yeah, it wasn't too bad. It was just, you know, as the game went on, it was kind of a war of attrition. At least you could rescue a turtle here and there once they got captured, and you could swap them out to try to manage their health. Yeah. But man, yeah, those... that third level was brutal. Man, yeah, the later... That's where I got stuck with the third level. Yeah, brutal. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't until my stepbrother with Final Fantasy two, four, um, that I really started getting into. I kind of just wanted to to do what he did. So every game I played, I would play Shining Force. I played Shining Force. He had Fantasy Star. I played Fantasy three. I bought Final. Ended up just kind of playing all those games until I kind of surpassed him. 
And the student became the teacher. <laughs> Basically. Okay. And what is your favorite RPG of all time? Uh, do keep in mind, if you answer this incorrectly, we do boot you off the show and you have a very short career on the podcast. <laughs> well, um, Nostalgia has me picking four. Okay. All right. All right, that's fair. So, well, that, that puts you in good company. Our our former editor in chief, Mac, he he swore by Final Fantasy IV. He really really yeah. liked that game. I really like the game. Enjoy Sweet Code Three. My new age. I say new age. It's kind of more modern than. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, cool. You get to stay on the show. Good answer. The hey. incorrect answer would have been Final Fantasy VII. Um, hey. best, <laughs> best answer, Final Fantasy VI, of course. Uh, but four works. Uh, so we'll let you stay on. All right, cool. Well, welcome aboard. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get right into this because we got a lot to talk about and not all the time in the world. So we're going to take this commercial break and we'll be right back with our main event. Welcome back. This is uh, the main event where we take a game or a series of games and we crack it open and fry it in a pan. Today we're talking about the sub-series of games, of the Tales games, the Zelia, whatever, I call them manila folder games. Uh, the first one is Tales of Zelia 
or Manila folders, whatever. Uh, this was developed by Namco Tales Studio, published by Namco Bandai Games, released on the PlayStation 3 in North America on August 6, 2013. A single-player RPG experience with some co-op potential, apparently. Uh, who wants to start us off by talking about the story of the Tales of Manila folders? Well, a little, um, this is a very bare bones summary of it because a lot of stuff goes, but basically, um, it, it, it starts out, you're in a place that, or you're in a place called Rize Maxia that is ruled by two countries called Rajagul. I'm, I'm going to butcher all of these names, just an FYI, Rajagul and Ajul. And they appear to live in harmony, but they're both, like, constantly at war and always trying to conquer the other country and trying to unite it as a single country. And the game the game starts out, it gives you a choice between two, your two main characters, either Jude Mathis or Mila, Mila Maxwell. Um, Jude Mathis is a medical student, and Mila Maxwell is, I don't know how to describe her, she's kind of a goddess? Yeah. Master of probably- Spirits? I think that's probably the best way. Yeah, it's yeah. more master of spirits. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and and the the story kind of it a lot of it depends on who's I played through as Jude. So I saw most of the everything from his point of view. Yeah, I but, picked Jude um, as well. <laughs> but um, Mila realizes that all of the spirits in the world are dying, and it's because humans are creating these things called spirexes that channel a whole bunch of mana and kill spirits in the process. So she kind of goes out to figure out why all of the spirits are dying. And in the meantime, the other character, Jude Mathis, um, is looking for his, is a, well, he's a military student and he's looking for his teacher and ends up wandering into a military research facility he's a medical student but he does end up wandering into a a, the military yes yeah and while he's in the military facility he runs into this huge spyrex powered weapon called the lance of krisnik and they're using the lance or they absorb his professor to power this lance of krisnik and at this point um, Mila shows up, realizes that this huge lance is what's draining all of the spirits and killing them. And somehow during the fight, the military activates the lance, absorbs Mila's spirits, and fires it, and they both have to read. And that, that kind of kicks off the entire story. Um, they both kind of decide to confront Rajagul's king, who had endorsed the lance's creation. And you meet the colorful cast of characters along the way. You, you, the first character you run into is Alvin, who wants to tag along mysteriously. You later find out he's a double agent. Um, what a double agent in a Tales game? Say it ain't so. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got Elise, the the little girl who's an orphan who is very shy, but she has this doll named Tipo. Who I don't even know how to describe him. Very not shy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is Tipo? floats he's kind of what like it it almost seemed like a a puppet brought to life it is yeah Yeah, i'm pretty sure it's a puppet i have to it's been a little while but i'm pretty sure it's a puppet like that has a spirit in it yeah we'll we'll get into that later um you run into a butler named rowan ah rowan yeah who's awesome and he's he's the butler to this um noble family in another town that you run into a lot um, you meet 
you meet Jude's childhood friend Leah, who also joins your party, and you all basically go out on a quest to defeat the King of Rashagul because he's ordering weapons that are draining all the spirits. And lo- lots of hijinks kind of ensue along the way. Well, some hijinks, some not so hijinks, like Mila losing the using but losing the use of her legs, and you have having to basically create artificial. Well, is it artificial legs? No, it's it's you you attach a spirex to her legs that allows the mana to flow back into her. Okay, that that's what it was. The plot, I mean. It's a good plot, but it kind of goes all over the place before it kind of reaches a point, which is why I picked the TLDR version of the plot summary as opposed to the blow-by-blow one that was on the Tales wiki, because we kind of need to get through this in 45 minutes. But somewhere throughout this, you find out that two millennia ago, humans had developed the Spyrex, which absorbs the energy, which absorbs the mana. And in response, the great spirit Maxwell, the one that was before Mila, had gathered all of the humans and put them on an isolated land protected by a barrier. And this isolate, the land became known as Rize Maxia. And she put up a barrier. I'm sorry, the previous Maxwell put up the barrier and then outside of the barrier were other humans that couldn't channel mana and basically they put up this barrier because they were trying to wait for all the humans that couldn't channel mana to die off because I I can't remember why well it's because like if the world is completely drained of mana then it dies yeah like there's there can be no more life so it's kind of like well let's just save this small part of it and you know and deal with that yeah and later on you find out that alvin is part of this outer world of humans and is being forced to work for this terrorist group known as exodus um because he has a sick mother and trying to remember what else it's mostly just the sick mother yeah it's mostly just the sick and at this point you kind of feel bad for all the people that are living outside of rize maxia in olympios because they don't they just don't have the ability to channel mana, and suppose I guess their life is harsher because of it. I mean, it's both is and isn't because they they do have a much more advanced civilization. It's kind of it's kind of more modern compared to uh, Rize Maxia, which is kind of like medieval era, and like the main city in Olympios is like skyscrapers and stuff like that, and they still have like massive military facilities that are dedicated to study of, of spirits. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been a while since, it's been a hot minute since I played this. I don't remember all the plot details, but yeah. And then at, at the very end of the game, um, they actually meet with the actual spirit Maxwell, not Mila Maxwell, but the great spirit Maxwell to try to get them to this, to dispel the barrier. And because the humans, um, uh, Somewhere, somewhere in, in in all of this, there's like this king of Gaius, and I can't remember what his motivations. His, I just go ahead. His motivations are basically that he's kind of against the Lance of Kresnik as well, because he's the king of he's the king of uh, Aljul. Yeah, and his his idea is to harness the power of Maxwell to bring spirits kind of under uh, Al-Ghul, uh not Rashigals, um under Aljul's control. But not really, because he actually deals more with his uh, her sister Musee. 
but okay. he's yeah he's he's kind of like you know humans humans need to be back on top in a way and we need to harness the spirits to do that but the way that that Rashigal is doing it is not the way to go yeah and and then somewhere along somewhere in the plot you find out about um spyrite which are power sources that do not kill spirits but it's something that needs more research and at the end of the game they're trying to convince Gaius to what are they trying to convince Gaius that that uh they they don't have to fight and and do all that stuff to yes. to make it that humanity can actually survive and that it's not just the spyrex there is the spyrites yeah but so, he doesn't quite believe them yeah so b- basically you have to beat the crap out of Gaius to get him and, to realize and all say, this. yeah and then th- that's the end of the game Jude goes on to become a spyrite research- researcher I think M- Mila kind of Mila don't takes she- the mantle of Maxwell. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, her full kinda... name is Mila Maxwell. Yeah, because she's like an extension of Maxwell himself. But when when sh- they convince Maxwell through through their strength of will that uh, humanity is worth saving, then she takes on the the title of Maxwell. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's basically the plot in a nutshell. I know, <laughs> I know, it seemed like I was all over the place, but that's because the plot's kind of all over the place and. Unless you play it, you're not really going to get a condensed version of it. There's a lot of twists and turns at the story of this game. There's a couple of really good twists. Yeah. Like, finding out that um, Alvin was a double agent, and then later on finding out that he was a triple agent was pretty... (laughs) The triple agent part was the real surprising bit, because it's not a Tales game unless someone inevitably betrays you. Yeah. And then... So, so we can go into the characters a little bit now. Um, we already talked about Jude and Maxwell, who really, that's kind of the two characters that the, the game mainly focuses on. And then you've got Alfred Van Sivent? Alfred Vincent. Yeah, Alfred Vincent. I don't know why, I think I accidentally put in the Japanese version in the notes. But yeah, he's a spy. But when you first meet him, he kind of comes off as a mercenary, and he seems really cool and nice. And you're like, this... This guy is too. Yeah, I love him, and he's. You're like, wow, this guy's too nice. I wonder when he's going to betray us, (laughs) and eventually he does. And then you've got Elise, who was the shy girl, and um, apparently her parents had forcefully experimented on her, which is why she was shy. And what's in Tipo that basically makes him talk is a device called a booster, and all it is is just, um. Elise's personality kind of being channeled through teeth. Was it military research? It's been a long time since I played it. Yeah, something like that. And then um, Rowan, who is my second favorite character, aside from Alvin, who mm-hmm. starts off as a butler for a family of nobles in one of the towns and decides to follow you, and eventually you find out that he's this legendary military tactician called the Conductor. And he's badass, and it shows. And he's, like, probably one of the best casters in the entire series. Yeah. Oh, he's amazing. He was almost always in my party. That's gameplay, really. We're going on story. Yeah. Um, And then after that is Leo Ronaldo. (laughs) Messed that up. Leo Ronaldo. (laughs) Who um, is a nurse and Jude's childhood friend. And you meet her during the uh, Fixing Mila's Leg subplot. She's she's kind of a bubbly, optimistic girl. Very nice, very sweet. I I enjoyed her quite a lot. 
and then the other major characters were, were um, Gaius, the king of Ajul, and he wants to destroy all of the Spyrexes. And then you've got Musette, who is Mila's great, who is Mila's older sister, who follows the party during the mission to defeat Exodus. And when she uh, eventually turns on them, when they want to make expose the secret of the barrier, and then afterwards she allies with Max um, Gaius. And she's one of the two people that you have to fight at the end. I think that that's all of the major characters. I kind of left out like the the nobles that got, um, Rowan works for in that one town. Yeah, and then there's you know there's Noctigal, the king of of Rashigal, who is the one using Lance of Kresnik. There's a couple of other characters. I'm honestly trying to remember. <laughs> um, like. Because cause the problem being that its sequel is more recent in my memory, so it's trying, yeah. to, trying to be like, okay, which parts were in one and which parts weren't? <laughs> yeah, and that's part of the problem is that I'd played the sequel more recently than the original, and in the sequel, the characters kind of take a back seat, but that's kind of getting ahead of ourselves. A little bit. Um, uh, g- Gameplay-wise, it's kind of the it's kind of the same tales that you know and love. Um, so, oh, go ahead. Okay, so the gameplay is the one right before Exilia was Graces, and Graces is that kind of like the behind the back, you know, CC where you you have a certain amount of regenerating stuff. And Exilia, they went back because it's a different uh, part of the studio. We have uh, um, team. I want to call it Team Fantasia, and I know that's not it, but it's the team that worked on things like Symphonia and Vesperia as opposed mm-hmm. to Destiny Remake and Graces. So there is TP again, unlike some of the other games. And it is still the LMBS, which is the line battle system where there's a straight line between you and the enemy. Mm-hmm. What they added in Exilia was the ability to link with a party member. So each party member is linked to the other. There are four people in a battle, and one person's linked to another, and so on, like that. Mm-hmm. And it allows you to do things like share their special abilities. So like, say, um, say Jude is linked to Alvin. If, uh, during battle, you can actually make it so Alvin does his guard move when you're playing as Jude to make sure that you don't get hit. And then you can also, as a bar fills up, use your other character to perform a link art, which is a much stronger, uh, ability that you can use to, uh, build that gauge and then eventually turn into, uh, link chain which you can just continually use those link arts over and over. Um, you also share some damage between characters with the link, uh, as well as uh, healing. And I, I like that aspect of the battle system because it really encourages you to experiment with different character pairings. And, you know, you know, most Tales games, I've always just kind of stuck with my favorite character as the controllable one. This time around, I think I would kind of take control of everybody to figure out you know, who I liked controlling the best. I think the only character that is awkward to control is Elise, but that's yeah. only because she's kind of the prototypical caster. Like, even mm-hmm. Rowan is kind of the mage as well, but he feels much more solid to play just because of the way his spells are uh, spells come out. Because mm-hmm. Elise is, uh, has a lot of healing abilities as well as kind of uh, uh, darkness spells. Yeah. Usually I set, set the healers to... Um kind of be on AI and let them handle the he- healing. Uh, the other major gameplay difference from uh, all the rest of the series is that Exilia is the very first game where you have a fully uh, movable camera 
and kind mm-hmm. of like you can do the over the shoulder thing in the field because otherwise it was just you know a, a, a single camera angle that was automatically changed as you move the character around the field. Whereas in Exilia, you could finally fully control the camera, look around, and see you know all the different things around there. It's also Actually, no. Graces, Graces didn't have a world map. Another did Symphonia 2, but I was about to say, it's the first one to use uh, uh, field maps to connect everything, but Graces did that first. Yeah, and those field maps are huge. Yeah, they are very, very big. They definitely take advantage of uh, the late PS3 era. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, like, like all the Tales games after Symphonia, um, battles are... Uh, you you get into encounters by uh, running into enemies on the field. Um, you can you can get you know advantage encounters by running to the back of them. If you get attacked from behind, it's uh, it's a disadvantage if disadvantageous encounter. Um, I don't remember if they had encounter links in Exilia one. Um, if they do, it's basically if there's more than one enemy uh, in the area at the same time. This is from Vesperia, and they kind of changed it a little bit in that instead of just all the enemies all at once, it's the enemies are stronger, and then another wave ends up appearing afterwards. Yeah. And I think the other, well, the um, way that you level up your characters in this, instead of just having fixed stats, you have the, um, the William orb, which basically turns the whole thing into a talent tree. Um, it actually kind of reminded me of the Crystarium in Final Fantasy thirteen. if any of you had played that. Yeah, yeah, it reminded me a lot of that. Except um, instead of, like, spending spending AP or whatever, it's, it's you know, you get small amounts of SP that you can then spend on the things. Plus, also, they have that neat thing where um, as you uh, are, are filling out the Lilim Orb, if you say you get one node on one side and then you kind of do a, a, a rectangle around, uh, say, like you do two, you skip two, and then you do the next two, you actually get the middle two because you filled in that squ- that rectangle. Oh, so you're not actually using uh, points to fill out that rectangle. Yes. That's kind of neat. And you also get, I think you get some stat bonuses too by by filling it out like that too. I didn't know that. <laughs> no wonder I felt kind of underpowered. <laughs> but there yeah. are two. There's like two different ones. Like you finish the initial one, and then eventually it expands, and you can do some more mm-hmm. uh, to gain more stats, to gain more arts. Um, I forget what else you get out of it. I know it's stats and arts, but yeah basically kind of that a little bit of that illusion of choice, even though mm-hmm. yeah, I mean you can't really i, I don't know it, it's not as intricate as like say the spear sphere grid and Final Fantasy ten where you really do a lot of customization, most of it was kind of set yeah you can't you can't change any of the nodes, but they're you know they're kind of set, but you can you you can change which order that you do that kind of stuff. Yeah, at least you get a little bit of choice as to what you want to focus on first, which is kind yeah, of nice. It, it it feels a little bit like, you know, attack, defense, uh, art attack, things like that, but not by much. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, of course, cooking is a mainstay of the series, and it's mm-hmm. still in Exilia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did like, you know, most of the other games, I kind of ignored some of the cooking aspect, but I, I did like this like the cooking in this because of the stat bonuses. Yeah, they had that. Um, they also still had titles, which have been in the series since um, since Eternia. 
And, you know, as in some of the other ones, they, they give some stat boost, but not really much. They also brought in a system from Vesperia of the attachment system so that when you, um, not only can you customize your character's appearance, um, based on just a costume because they separate out a costume slot from the titles, mm-hmm. um, in Exilia. You can also add on attachments to customize it even more. Because I remember I had Jude with a fro for most of the game. Yeah, I was trying to see... Or I put everybody in aviator shades, and I was trying to see if I could play through the game with everybody just having av- aviator shades just because of how ridiculous they look in cutscenes. But then I think eventually I just kind of like, okay, everybody looks stupid. I need to put them back. I think I kept them on Alvin when I when I did that. Yeah, but another interesting thing about the attachments, I'm not sure if it was this one or the sequel that had um, special bonuses if you had saves on your hard drive for other Tales games. I think it was the second one. Okay. I think so. Because it only it only searched for um, Graces. I think it might have searched for Symphonia Chronicles. Don't remember if it searched for Japanese Vesperia. I know one of them, and I want to say it was this, um, Symphonia Chronicles. The or the kind of mail that you got for it was, hey, you're the ultimate Tales fan. As a matter of fact, you're the president of Tales fans that all Tales fans should bow down to. You know, just b- being really <laughs> being really kind of f- filleting of my ego. It's like, oh, thank you, Namco. I, I love Tales. Thank you for calling me the president of Tales fans. I do appreciate it. I also do wonder if that was kind of a reference to Regal, too. Yeah. And I know that you... I know one of them, you got a mini Yuri, but I couldn't remember which bonus it was. Yeah, I don't remember offhand, but I do remember the mini Yuri. Yeah. And there was a mini Sophie as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, just hang out on the the shoulder and stuff. And I think you can also get those in uh, Vesperia Definitive, because I seem to recall... Uh, one of those little mini guys being attached to Repeat's tail. <laughs> That's funny, but uh, yeah, I I really like this game. Oh, um, the the sound design. What did you think of the music and stuff? There, it was. There are some songs that I really enjoyed. Um, I definitely really like the intro. Uh, though when we get to two, I definitely would be like, mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you know, you, Motori Sakuraba, Shinji Tomura, you know, the usual, the usual suspects for the Tales series. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like the battle themes are okay. Um, some, t- some of the town themes are really good. I really like Fenmont's theme, which is the very first town you're in. Yeah, it is good. Um, and then like the actual, like just generic sound effect design is actually really good, especially in some of the caves and things like that. Like there's some ambience, which is really nice. But, but but I need to know one thing, Ash. Do you want fresh mutton? Mutton, fresh mutton. <laughs> I, I was telling, I was telling, I was telling JC. If this is if that is not the name of this podcast, I will be sorely disappointed. Ah, uh, oh, Mr. Minky gets to pick the names. I don't think either of them played it, so they don't know that reference. Because, like, you, if in that central town where you meet Rowan and like a lot of stuff ends up happening in the main square. You just, it just pops out everywhere. Like, there's, there's NPC merchants just saying all sorts of different things. Like, for, you know, uh, uh, get your, get your vegetables over here, you know, only a couple gold or whatever. But for some reason, it just splits through and it's real loud. It's just some guy going, mutton, fresh mutton. And, and it, and it repeats like 
I want to say like every five minutes or so. So if you're running around in town doing anything, you'll hear fresh mutton just constantly. And it became, it became such a meme that they brought it back in the sequel. Mm -hmm. Not, not, not as apparent, but it was in like, uh, uh, like some dialogue or something like that. It's like, Oh my gosh. No, unfortunately haven't played it. That's why I'm letting y'all do all the talking. It is in my backlog. It's there. It's like the six tales of game that's in my backlog. It's got a number. I, I would definitely give it a try if you have some free time and want to play a um an HD Tales game. I yeah, I thought it was one of the better ones on the PS3. It was the first agree. Tales game I oh yeah, it was the first Tales game I ever played. So it 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 really I really liked it. Yeah, I remember um it was I was really surprised when Bamco said, or Bandai Namco, I should say, um, announced a, a, a United States release for like a Western release of Exilia because there had been this big giant, um, there had been Drought. this big giant like missing amount of time where we didn't get anything. Like there were the DS games, we didn't get any PSP games. Of course, you know, legendarily, we didn't give this very a PS3. So it's like when Graces came out, I was like, oh, that's super nice. We're getting a remake of, of this game that only came out in the Wii. That's really cool. But, I, you know, we don't really like the track record. You know, we don't know if there's anything else coming out. And then they announced Exilia saying, hey, it's coming west. Like, wait, what? Yeah, I remember being surprised, too, because, you know, we, we all kind of got burned on that PS3 version of Vesperia. And Bamco, Bamco and Xbox were trying desperately to, to get people to like the Xbox in Japan. And that... That went over like a lead balloon. So, I mean, when I saw that this was coming out, I pre-ordered it immediately and bought it day one. And... Yeah, I, I got the limited edition when I when I heard that we were getting. I was like, "Are you kidding?" Yes. I, th- I think I only got like the kind of smaller limited edition that came with the soundtrack and stuff. I didn't buy the super expensive one that came with the Mila statue. No, I didn't get the Mila statue either. I got I got the just the smaller one. Um, but yeah, I. I really think that it's kind of a gem in the modern Tales game era. I I didn't really care for Graces F too much. I just couldn't get into it. And Vesperia was okay, but I barely remember playing any of Vesperia. So I love this one. And I and I'll probably gush more over the sequel because I played the crap out of the sequel. Yeah, I really, I really, okay, really Kelly, enjoy the characters for sure. Did you Did you play Vesperia on Xbox 360 or PS3? Um, X- Xbox. Um, okay. My husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, he had an Xbox at his apartment, so I had my own little shelf of Xbox 360 games that I would buy, and I I kept them over at his house and or at his apartment, and I he'd invite me over on the weekend, and I'd just put, take over his Xbox. Guys, help! I played both the PS3 and the 360 version. <laughs> I remember there were some people on our forums who loudly insisted that the Xbox 360 was completely unviable. No, we could never, ever countenance playing a Tales of game on that. I mean, it's interesting, too, because for a good long while, for at least like three or four years, the 360 was the JRPG console. Yeah, mostly because the PS3, when it first launched, was just way too prohibitively prohibitively expensive, so nobody had one. And it was a pain in the butt to develop for. Yeah. Yep. 
So, you know, we had, and Microsoft we had Myth- actually Myth- making an attempt to get RPGs, to get Japanese coverage for a little while. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had the Mistwalker games, we had uh, Eternal Sonata, there was The Last Remnant from Square, you had Vesperia, uh, Infinite Undiscovery, Atria, Star Ocean uh, 4, you know, there, there, there's some real heavy hitters on the 360, but then eventually once the PlayStation came down in price and it became easier to develop for them, they started to understand how to, how to work for it. Then everything started moving over the PS3 and you started seeing all these ports of the games. Um, I also think that was the first time in history that a Final Fantasy game had been cross-platform at launch. Yep. Yeah, that was the very first time. Yep. Yeah, I remember was, with uh, I remember with Vesperia, I had played it on the 360, enjoyed it tremendously, heard about the PlayStation, downloaded the PlayStation 3 version, was going to play it with a friend. We had the script, but he just wasn't into reading the story outside, so we never really got that far. I was always interested, you know, in learning about you know, the extra character and whatnot, so the remake came out, I jumped on that. Yeah, it just reminds me of that classic tweet chain where uh, everyone everyone was rumoring about it coming out, and Bamco was just like, "No, not that one." And then they announced definitive edition, and it's like, "Oh, do you mean this one? Yeah, yeah, that one." <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, it's it's right around that time that uh, Exilia and one and two probably are due for a, a remastered on a new console. I wouldn't mind having having them on like the PlayStation Four or even the Xbox One, but you know, hey, I don't. Switch. I don't know. Switch, switch, <laughs> or or the switch. I mean, I, I because I'm so sensitive to frame rate. Like, I love my switch to death, but I'm just like, you know, you know, this is this is nice, but ow, my eyes. But it could keep my Tales of Vesperia cartridge company that I just got. And that's more important. Okay, so we got it. We got to get this one wrapped up. Final, final thoughts. I've heard a lot of gushing. Is there any other final thoughts before we move on to the second game? Um, the voice acting was really good too, and of course, it's got Matt Mercer in it. So yep. anything oh, there that you has go. anything that has Matt, I love. It's got Matt mm-hmm. Mercer and Christina V. And uh, his other friend, Critical Role alum Travis. Oh, Travis Willingham. Yep. Yeah. yeah, he plays um, Gaius. Yes, he does. <laughs> um, but yeah, the voice the voice acting is great. The skits are probably some of the best in the series. I adore most of the skits in Exilia One. Um, the you know the game's not terribly difficult. There are some really bad spikes uh, with some of the fights, <clears throat> Muse. Um, yeah. But you know it's 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 a fun romp. There's some great there's some great scenes. There's some funny scenes. There's some real good serious scenes. The the animation's always on point from Youth Table. Um, you know, it's definitely one of the better Tales games, I would say. Yeah, it's like a good balance between like fun combat system, good characters, interesting enough story. It's it's a really well balanced little action RPG. Yep, and I, I know especially for ta- for Tales fans, if they haven't played Exilia yet and they have played some of, say, the earlier games, they're going to see a lot of parallels between Fantasia in that game, especially with things like the Four Spirits that, you know, have reoccurred throughout the series. The fact that Maxwell is in it, which is, you know, he hasn't been in, in the series for a very long time. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's really cool that they have those kind of callbacks uh, with, the, with, the, with that game. I, I think it's a good starter Tales game. And oh, I absolutely. Think 
I think it's a good Tales game for like Lapse Tales fans that got kind of bored with a lot of the um, newer entries. Well, let's uh, let's do a quick uh, price roundup here. You can get uh, Tales of Zillia for the PlayStation Three from various uh, sellers. It looks like uh, around twenty ish, twenty five. Sounds like that might be worth it based on what y'all are saying. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yep. Now, you can, and also you can get it digitally on the PlayStation Network. Oh, though. Uh, and I believe I'll, it's usually about twenty. Sometimes it does go on sale. Uh, you heard that typing real quick. I'm going to pull that up because, of course, our listeners want to know. It is $20 for the digital edition there. I do see um, there is a Tales of Zelia 1 and 2 collection listed here by Jade Entertainment through Amazon for $65. But, of course, our listeners demand the best. Our listeners want the collector's edition, which includes the exclusive 21-centimeter Amelia Maxwell figurine, a 100-page art book, and uh, and who knows what else. And this is for the low, low price of only $129. A lot less than it was when it started, but I can personally vouch for the quality of that Mila statue. <laughs> I will tell you that the um, uh, that uh, on the PlayStation Store where it's listed for 20 bucks, it has 2,792 ratings, averaging 5 out of 5 stars. So it seems like that the masses agree with y'all sentiments about the uh, awesomeness of this game. You can also, there is a plethora of DLC that you can buy for the game, mostly in the form of costumes. So if you feel that you enjoy the game enough to go ahead and support a little more, you can always buy some costumes. Or or you could spend $4.49 to grab yourself 300,000 gold. Oh boy, boosters. <laughs> I'm sorry, gold. <laughs> what, what can you do with 300,000 gold in the game? Does that, does that, does that do something special for you? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a good starting amount. <laughs> It'd be yeah. helpful in the sense that it help pay off your debt. Nah, that's the second one now. Oh, they have a Tales of Graces F Tales of Zelia combo pack uh, for fifty dollars. Huh, interesting. That's All right. Okay. All right, well, we're going, to take a, we're going to take a little break. We're going to play a musical selection uh, from one of the two games. I'll pop in here somewhere. Uh, and then we're going to come right back to jump into And uh, we'll be right back with the second part of this series. Hold on tight.
And uh, welcome back. We're ready to talk about Tales of Manila Folder number two, developed by Bamka, Bam, ba, 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 Bandai Namco Studios, published by the same. This was released in North America on August 19th, 2014. Another single-player action RPG experience uh, with a guy who likes, who looks an awful lot like um, Two-Face from Batman. Don't know why he's got like half of him's black, half of him's blue. Looks almost looks like from this cover art, half his face is a different setup than the other half, but it's kind of hard to tell because of a small thumbnail. Uh, story reasons. Uh, okay. Well, that's a great segue to talk about the story. Take it away. Yes. So <clears throat> the game takes place a year after Tales of Zillia, and you play as a guy named Luger Will Kresdick. That name should sound familiar. Just well, rather, that last name. Um, he lives with his older half-brother, Julius, and their pet cat, Rollo. And, well, see, while, while going to work one day, he ends up on a train that is hijacked and meets a little girl named Ellie Melmarta. El Melmarta. Yep. El Melmarta. And they're trying to retake the train, and you run into Jude. And... The train ends up crashing, and you get get pretty messed up, and and have to get ex- extensive medical treatment. And you go to leave, and you're like, "Hey, what about this gigantic medical bill?" And your character's like, "What?" And they're like, "Yeah, gigantic medical bill. What is it? Like one million gold?" No, yeah. it's a lot more than a million gold. Is it ten million? I can't remember the exact number. I believe. Hang on, I'll go and look it up. You can continue with the story. Okay. But they're like, well, we'll we'll employ you at this um, company called Spiris, and you can work off your debt. <clears throat> I have found the amount. It is twenty million. Yeah, tw- yeah, it's it's huge. And you have so, to work for the Spirius Corporation to do that. Yeah. So they they tell you that you have to work at the Spirius corporate corporation, and they send you on bounties and stuff like that. And they're also having you search for whoever hijacked the train, which is Luger's brother, Julius Kresnick. Um, and they're the already, way- right, right there at the beginning, they're already doing, like, weird things with, like, like, like you fought your brother, but then, then, you know, like, they flash back, and then you had, like, it was almost like you were flashing forward and backward in time. Yeah, so... Most of the crux of this game involves parallel dimensions. Yeah. And wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And pretty much all of the main story missions in the game have you going into a parallel dimension and trying to find and I need to find this term that they use. What it's the heck uh, is it? hang on, let me see if I can find it as well. But oh way markers. That's right. And no, no not the way markers. I not was talking markers. I was talking about the thing that you had to do in each parallel dimension to have it collapse because there's oh, too many parallel right, dimensions. Right, right. Uh, and then the parallel dimensions, as I know, are called fractured, um, fractured, fractured dimensions, I believe. Yeah. Um, crap. What was the name? What was that term? I I had it. There's something like called a fractured or fracture or something. I found it. It's a divergence catalyst. Yes. Yes, thank because we you. have to have very complicated names for all of our things in our JRPGs. Yes, so e- each dimension has a divergence catalyst, and you have to go find that and destroy it in order to destroy the dimension. And sometimes and I, it's an object, sometimes it's a monster, sometimes it's a person. 
Yeah. I think the first one was a cat. Or was it a witch disguised as a cat? I, I think which, it was actually a cat. Which kind of bugged me, but I, I digress. Um, <clears throat> and you find out that the Kresnik family has this ability to destroy parallel dimensions, which is why you got um, Luger and his brother both have um, stopwatch. <clears throat> I'll go into uh, how they got those stopwatches a little bit later, because... <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. And along the way, you run into all of the characters for this game, including Gaius and Musette, which amused the crap out of me because it's like, wait a minute, didn't I kick your butt in the last game as the final boss? And Gaius just shows up and is like, hey, I'm going to be in your party now. And Musette acts like nothing happens at all, or nothing happened at all. And it's like, okay, guys, well, this is awkward. They do a little bit, like, I mean, when when they're talking in skits with the main characters from the first game, it's all, you know, they're very like, yeah, you remember when that happened? Oh, yeah, I've learned my lesson, all that good stuff. Yeah, so, um, what's going on is that the main world's current predicament is that there is, there was a trial between the spirit's origin, Maxwell, and Kronos, and it's a test on whether or not humanity is worth preserving and the first person to reach the land of Canaan will have a wish granted by origin. But the thing and, is, in order to have that wish granted and humanity not completely destroyed, is that there cannot be one million fractured dimensions. Yeah, which is why you're going through and destroying dimensions. Even still, like, as you're destroying them, it's still counting up. Yeah, and... Um, the Kresnik family is destined to, they have a power called Chromatis, which is why the, the, he looks all, um, two-faced on the cover there, because that's what he looks like when he uses his Chromatis powers. And, um, he can't use the, overuse that, that power, or he'll turn into a divergence catalyst within itself. And, let's see here, um. In order to reach the land of Canaan, he must find the um, five way markers from a parallel div- dimension. Um, and Ellie has key of Christmas powers as well. This is important. <laughs> um, so along the way, you're gathering for the four way markers. And in the search for the final way marker, you end up in a dimension that is actually where Ellie is from. And you find out that in depth, in that dimension, her father is named Victor, and Victor is that dimension's Luger. So Ellie's basically your daughter from another dimension. And it's also why your character Luger is a silent protagonist, because apparently it would have spoiled the big twist that Victor is the father, because I think he's masked when you meet him, and then his mask gets yes. knocked off. Yep. And it's Luger, and it's like, oh my god, it was her father all along. It's honestly a very, very dramatic scene. Yeah, it's very heart-wrenching. Um, <clears throat> so you collect all the way markers. You go to Canaan. Um, the CEO, Brisley, t- Beasley, is it? Beasley. The CEO, Beasley, takes Ellie, Ellie with the Canaan. And he wants to use Origin's wish to enslave the spirits. Um, at this point, Julius, Wilger's brother, sacrifices himself. And then the party defeats Bisley, and you use Origin's wish to destroy all of the parallel dimensions. And at this point, you know, you fought the final boss, and you're given a choice resulting in two endings. Where if 
Ellie becomes the divergent catalyst, then it, it shows a future where Luger essentially meets his wife, and um, it's implied that it's the mother of Ellie. So you basically go to make your own Ellie. Um, if Luger becomes the divergent catalyst, then he disappears, and you see an adult Ellie. <clears throat> it was amazingly cute. Yes, and it was a fair. It's a very hard plot to describe because of all the tiny, whiny stuff. And like I said, all throughout it, um, the original characters just kind of show up and are just kind of tagging along for a ride. Yeah, um, they do have their own motivations for for yeah. tagging along, but still, it's kind of like, hey, it's a, it's a sequel to the game. We got to have them in here somehow. Yeah, yeah, really, the only character that kind of has an arc, in a way, is Mila. Oh, for sure, Be- yep. Because she is not the Mila that we know from the previous game. She's from a parallel dimension where um, she didn't succeed and just lives as a normal human. And she's kind of a bitch. I didn't like this version of Mila. <laughs> um and when she gets pulled into the prime dimension, um, somehow they manage to get the real Mila back. And because two two different people can't exist in the same dimension, the one from the parallel universe disappeared. Well, no, it's it's the the parallel the fractured Mila sacrificed herself to allow the prime Mila to uh, come back from uh, the barrier between worlds where she was serving as Maxwell. Oh, so I thought that she came back. I, I do well, she know does, that. She uh, does. I mean, because there's, there's like this whole scene where there's like a giant hole and the fractured Mila ends up falling down and sacrificing herself as the prime Mila is coming up. And doesn't she tell the the prime Mila that she hates her? Uh, I mean, throughout most of the game as you have fractured Mila, she's just like, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I'll, I will cease to exist if they have this one, so I don't like her. But by the end, she kind of reconciles and, and accepts that she, you know, she is from this parallel dimension because she feels like, no, I should be the only Mila. Uh, I just remember, I just remember not liking the fractured Mila at yeah, all. Yeah, she's kind of, she's, she's mean. She's pretty mean, but it's because, yeah. you know, especially with, with Jude, he's, so you would think he would pine for the childhood friend, but he doesn't. He pines for Mila. Mm-hmm. And because fractured Mila knows she is not prime Mila, and Jude knows that too. He's There's just this kind of tension between the two of them. Yeah, it, it's very... All the characters. Even like Muse, there's tension between her and fractured Mila. Yeah, it's very awkward. Um, just where all the other characters are in the sequel, um, Jude has become a spy re- researcher. Um, Rowan has become the prime minister of Rizamaxia. Um Leia became a journalist. A fantastic um, one too. <laughs> yeah, with with a, a outfit upgrade. I love her cute outfit. Oh, that that uh, newsy cap is so great. Yeah, Gaius um, has been posing as a civilian. Uh, Muse, you end up defeating her as a divergence catalyst, and then the real Muse joins the party afterwards and acts acts like nothing happened in the previous game. Um, Alvin and. Uh, Elise kind of stay the same. I mean, Elise is in school, but... And, and she's, she's much little... more bubbly. She's, yeah, she's she... out of her shell. Yeah, but she still has Tipo, and Tipo still... Plays. Oh, yeah. She still has Tipo. And then um, Alvin is... He kind of does odd jobs. Like, I wouldn't call him a mercenary. More like yeah. more like a, a, a man of all trades. You know, helps Leia from time to time. Yeah. The other the other thing I think we should mention is, you know... Well, Rowan's the, the, the Prime Minister of Rize Maxia, so what's going on with Olympios? Um, at, since the 
at the end of Exilia, the barrier between the worlds vanished. And with Spyrite technology, Olympios was able to basically start to come back. So we actually are from Olympios. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that whole bit that you actually start out in Olympios, was kind of, which was kind of a secret in the first game. Mm-hmm. And the city, you start on the big, that big, like, uh, skyscraper city. I think it's called Trigolef. I'm trying yeah. to remember offhand. But yeah, you start, you start out there in one of the big apartment buildings uh, there. And the other thing, too, like, the, the great, the great thing is that Luger, he doesn't start out, um, like working for Spirius because even just beyond the, the medical bill is that he's training to be an agent for Spirius, like his brother, Julius, because before Mm -hmm. that he's a chef. Yeah. And a good one at that. A really good one. Yeah. And we, we also forgot the best character. Oh yes. The the best character who I have sitting in my lap right now. Yes. I I have him on my desk. He's, He's a very fat cat. He's a chunky boy. He's a super chunky boy. But he's also he's, the king of all cats, but we'll get into that. Yeah, he, he's really cute. And I didn't even notice until I was looking at the plush that one of his paws is white compared to you think that he's a regular Siamese, but no, he's got one paw that isn't pointed. And I can't believe I didn't notice that until now. Yep. And that's uh, even just reference to uh, Luger's uh, character design. Huh. I didn't know that either. Well, the more you know. Yeah, we'll uh, have to go in. A little uh, mascot every now and then, and in Exilia One, it's Tipo, and Tipo returns, but he's overshadowed by the yeah. amazing his Rolo. Yes, Ro- Rolo is life. So, um, ga- gameplay wise, the battle system is pretty much exactly the same. There are some differences. The main the main difference uh, between them is you can actually switch characters mid battle, which is really nice. Um, and the other big thing is the special abilities. That Luger has. Um, plus, also the other thing is that your first playthrough, you can only play as Luger. I hope mm-hmm. you like playing as Luger because you can only play as Luger for the first playthrough. Um, but his big thing is not only does he have the power of the Chromatus, which is basically I wouldn't really call it a limit break, but you you gain extra powers, you know, more health and all that. You're the only person there, um, and I don't believe you can die. You actually you might be able to die. I forget. Um, you do like a ton of damage. You could use Mystic Guards at that point. But also, Luger has access to three different weapons that you can switch to at will in battle. He uses guns, a hammer, and twin swords. Yeah, I, I completely forgot about that aspect of it. And I and I really liked being able to switch weapons on the fly. Yep. The other big thing is there's also now a new um, little. It, it's really helpful for stun locking. It's a. It's basically elemental hits. Uh, every every attack has a different element to it, and you'll see like a circle around the enemy if you hit them in, with a vulnerable element. And so at that point, the circle starts shrinking, and if you switch elements, it goes back to the normal size. And even if the enemy is resistant to that element, if you have hit it first with a vulnerable element, you can still hit it with that. And you can just continue your combo and continue your combo and continue your combo um, until that circle completely runs out. Yeah, I, I remember having so much fun with the battle system in this game, just run, running around, just chaining battles, trying to uh, get in, get in as many fights as I could just to play around with it because it was so fun. So, yeah, I guess I did like playing as Luger quite a bit. But yeah, second playthrough, you are able to play as all the other characters. Just that first playthrough, you are locked to Luger. Um, and because it has the pairing system, you can pair with other characters and kind of get their special abilities as well, which is cool. 
Yep, just like the original game. Um, let's see what else. Um, in this game, because of working on the depth or working working off the depth. Sorry, I got tongue tied there. Um, you're given a lot more freedom in the world to kind of run around and explore because kind of each each. Divert, well, each main story chapter you kind of do unlocks more of the world that you explored in the first game. And you're kind of, you kind of got breaks in between main story points to kind of go work well, off your debt. The and breaks what, are actually debt locked. Oh, right. Because you have to pay off a certain amount of your debt in order for the next main story quest to open. Right. I, like I said, it's been a while since I've played this. But um, there are various ways to to pay it off. You can do there are there are like the uh, uh, job boards that mm-hmm. you can look at, and it has all sorts of different quests that you can do, like kill X number of enemies, get this number of items, uh, and then there's also um, they're not called giganto monsters, but they're basically the giganto monsters from Tales of Vesperia. Yeah, and you go and fight ones. those, and those give you a huge amount of money. Yeah, that's, I think, fighting those giganto monsters was how I had worked off most of the debt myself. But you do not have to pay off the debt to finish the game. There is a, a certain amount you have to get past in order to get to the end of the game, but you actually get a different ending if you actually pay it off completely. Uh, it's it's actually a lot easier if you finish the game first, because uh, yes. I can't remember, does it uh, give you a bonus for finishing the game first, or does it just unlock a lot of really high money uh, no, you you can just like earlier games, uh, you can use grade that you gain through uh, fighting in battle to you know uh, have ten times gold earned, uh, carry over your arts, your equipment, things like okay. that. Okay, gotcha. Um, the other major thing in this game that's different from the first one is that pretty much every cutscene in the game has a story choice and. Um, while not Bioware le- levels of gameplay changing, they do kind of affect how the story plays out. A little bit. Like, the story will still go the way it goes. Um, you have different, like, friendship values with characters that mm-hmm. uh, raise and lower depending on those, and you actually are able to get more abilities from those characters, because there's, like, an affection level type thing with all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of them are time, but it's just, like, a real simple RL type thing. Yeah. Um, you know, just basically how Luger is reacting to what is happening. Yeah. You, you kind of get a taste for it in the very beginning of the game when your brother asks you what to make him for uh, breakfast, and you get a choice between, like, a curry omelet or something else. And made a soup, I think. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, okay, I, I guess I'll pick the curry omelet. No, I think no matter what he says, he's like, oh, well, that sounds good. Yep. Um, and then Rolo tries to eat part of it. Yeah, there's the interesting part in the game late when you have the option to choose your brother's life or turn against your team that you've been with throughout the entire game. And the story kind of points you into, you know, picking against your brother. And you can keep on choosing to, uh, I guess, side with him. And if you do, the, the characters that you've been teaming with the entire time, they end up fighting you. And you get like a the bad ending. Yep. If you do that choice, it's kind of it's kind of fun. Little. Yeah, that's fairly near the end of the game, um, like before the final dungeon. But yeah, you fight all your all your friends if you continually choose to fight uh, to side with Julius, and you get the bad ending. Yeah, they keep on they keep on giving you that that choice. They're like, "Are you sure? Do you really want to do this? You have to keep on 
picking the the bad option in order yeah. to to get that to happen. They, I like it when games have non-standard uh, ending states like that, especially when you have to kind of make the game, tell the game, no, I want to do this. Yeah, this unlike unlike the first game, there are four different endings in Exilia 2. Yes. Um, let's see, what, what else is different? You, um, you have the Allium Orb instead of the Lilium Orb this time around. Um, and you can you infuse it with elemental cores that you can either get in battle or win at harvest points. It's um, it's kind of like this weird mix between Tales of the Abyss's capacity cores and the Lilium Orb. Ah. Uh, because like you have different kinds of um different kinds of uh, of allium orbs that you can equip to your party members mm-hmm. and they give you they allow you to learn new arts and gain abilities and gain stats and things like that and each of them does a different thing so it's kind of like the capacity cores in that way but instead of just flat stat gains which it does still give you flat stat gains it also has like a skill list that you get for putting different amounts of elemental ore into the thing. So like if you do fire and wind, for instance, you get one ability, but you need to get you need to put more water in to get a different ability out of it. See, I, I don't remember messing with a whole lot of that, but like I said, it's it's been a hot minute. Yeah, you can this. you can build some very, very interesting uh things with that. I mean, sure you can basically just you know, get to the end and and have everyone learn everything that they can possibly learn from all the alien orbs. Sure, and mm-hmm. you can actually carry over your alien orbs in subsequent playthroughs and actually get multiple. But it's kind of like you know, do you want to play it four times to get you know four copies of the best alien orb? Because <laughs> the big the big thing with it is that each of them has a multiplier on uh, the elemental ore. So like instead of you know, one to one, it can be like five to one or ten to one. Oh, so, sounds a little more complicated than I got into, that's for sure. Um, but I, I like it when games have a lot of customization options like that, too, for people that do like to go insane. Um, and then the kind of the final, well, the thing, the final thing that I wrote down was for features was um, the best feature, which is Kitty Dispatch. Yes. So, throughout the course of the game, there are a hundred different cats that you can find, and as you unlock more cats, you can send them out to find items for you, and a lot of the really rare items in the game can only be found via the Kitty Dispatch. And finding the cats, for me at least, was so much fun, because you'll just kind of wander in an area, and all of a sudden you'll start hearing meowing. And for for me, at least, I have a surround sound, system, so I, I'm hearing meowing from behind me, and that's like, is one of the cats locked in a closet or something? And then I find the cat's like, oh no, it's just the game. Wow, that really kind of got me for a second there. Yeah, plus also eventually you get a kitty radar that will actually show them on your map when you're close enough. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I, I... Oh, go ahead. I said, I love that uh, Rolo's the one that gives the kitties to go find you. Yes, the king of the cats. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you, there's a room in uh, Luger's apartment that has all of the cats that you find in there. And th- <laughs> and getting them all and going into that room and just seeing that room filled with cats is so satisfying because each cat has a unique model. Yep, it's in it's in it's in the apartment complex. Yeah, because the that's where you find your first cat, and you find out you need to to find all of the cats. 
um, the really cool thing is that a couple of them, at least at least ten of them, are actually references to Tails characters. Yeah, I've and I've got the actually looks like the outfits of those characters. Yeah, I've got the guide um on my desk right now, and I was kind of looking at him, and the only one that I recognized was Emil from um Tales of Symphonia Two. I couldn't really mm-hmm. recognize the other ones. Uh, let me go ahead and look them up myself, because I can tell you a couple of them. I, I'm pretty sure Marta's one of them, too. I forget. I, I know that some of them might have been from uh, games that didn't come out here in the U.S., so that might be why I was having trouble recognizing some yeah, of them. Yeah, that's definitely very possible. Uh, oh my gosh, these are not zoomed in at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just, I love the attention to detail that every single cat had its own unique model. And you could also game the system very easy by uh, sending cats out and then adjusting your PS3 clock and then coming back in. Yeah, they they learned that in later games. They made it so that <laughs> was just, you know, uh, uh, amount of time as opposed to the uh, the actual the thing here. Yeah, well, I can't surprisingly find good pictures of them. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I can see some of the names here. We have Malik from, uh, from Graces. Uh, Luke from Abyss. We've got Lilith, Lilithia. I don't remember, but that name sounds familiar for some other Tales games. Zagi from Vesperia. Oh, uh, we of course we have a Schrodinger, because of course we have to have a Schrodinger's cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claire is uh, I might be mistaking that. I, I feel like that's Destiny too, but I could be wrong. Woodrose from Tales of Destiny. Uh, Guy is from Abyss. Gaspacho is a great name, by the way. <laughs> Let's see. Stallone and Rocky, because why not, right? And I believe those are the only ones. Woodrow, yeah, Woodrow Guy, uh, Zagi, Luke, and Malik. And is, where's, actually, hang on, where's Emil? Emil should be in this list. Um, He is number, I just saw him, number 91. This doesn't have all of them on here, I think. Oh, wait, hang on. Here's more of them. Uh, so there might be more. Salmon. Oh, Swagmo! Swagmo! I forgot about Swagmo! Swagmo's so great! And then Mal from uh, Tales of Rebirth, which didn't come out here. Uh, Keel from, um, oh gosh, uh, Eternia. Not only from Destiny 2. And then, let's see, should be a couple more. Meowsifer is a great name, too. Prickly Pete. Little Scrappy. Um, Sir Meows a lot. Kitty Pants. Princess still- Purry. It looks like Natalina should be from a Tales game because she's got like yeah, a little sounds like Natalia. Uh, yeah, there's a meal. Did we just drop into a Dragon Quest game? What are all these punny names coming from? Uh, the cats. <laughs> I like Sir Meows a lot in Key Pants. I love Swagmo. Swagmo's my favorite. Um, number eighty Kiki. That was um my cat's name, although it's uh it was K I K I, and he was still alive at the time that this mm-hmm. came out, which. I always love seeing other cats named Kiki. And... Yeah, again, cooking is in the game, obviously, because, you know, Luger is a chef. Um, I, I forgot to mention, I was I know that the, there was at least one cat that you could miss because it shows up in a side quest, the cat's the team to third. And mm-hmm. I was so anxious about missing that side quest. Yep. Because I, I wanted that trophy for finding all 100 cats. Plus, also, he gives a really good items for finding all 100. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, I, I played the crap out of this game. I actually almost platinumed it, but the only thing that stopped me was that most of the, most of the trophies involve spamming a lot of the combo moves when you link Gluger up with other characters. And some of them were pretty hard to do a thousand times. Yeah, there was that. Um, the Coliseum stopped me a bit for, for platinuming it as well. Yeah, that kind of stopped me too, cause some of those. Cause I remember, I remember I was playing Leia. And I got way into the air, and I fell off the side. <laughs> I always get so gung ho about platinum in these games. You just hit like a. There's just one of the trophies is just kind of ridiculous, and you're like, okay. <laughs> yep, yeah, no, that's it. It's like getting all the battle trophies in Starship Four. How about no? Yeah, the last uh, Coliseum boss you're fighting: Crest, Ston, Ruti, and Ment mm-hmm. from. Uh, Destiny and Fantasia, Fantasia yep. respectively, and they are ridiculously strong. I mean, at least Mint doesn't have time stop like she does in Abyss, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I beat this. I'd have to check my PlayStation trophy list to be sure, but I don't think I did fit, finish that bit. Now the one didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I did do the um, Illusionary Darkness dungeon. Oh yeah, which that was also insane. So I guess one other thing that we should probably bring up about Exilia 2 is, especially in contrast to the first game, Exilia 2 is really dark. And I mean, really dark. Well, that ending where you have to basically choose between your own life or L's. I mean, it's Um, not even just the ending. Like, the entirety of the game. Like, there's so much death and just insanity happening and like to to kind of put in perspective just how insane things in the game is earlier we mentioned how there is a pocket watch that causes or that allows luger to be in chromatis well julius has a pocket watch too that lets him do that well you know you think okay you know they're pocket watches they probably got them from like you know some magic shop or they were handed down through generations or something no they were born with them and I mean, literally, they came out of their mother with the pocket watches. Ow. That, that is what the, the canon plot is. <laughs> and then there's weirdness, like, when the land of Canaan shows up, you think, oh, you know, milk and honey, just like the religious land of Canaan. No, it's a giant floating ball with a fetus in it in the sky. Okay, that's just disturbing. Welcome to Tales of Exilia 2. <laughs> it's, 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 oh my god, it's, it's, oh. It's dark, it's disturbing, it is wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. It is basically the exact opposite of Tales of Exilia. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, the, the game gets pretty grimdark at, at oh, yeah. some points. It gets very, um, very heavy. When are destroying dimensions where other people are living just to, to preserve their own. Or, for instance, when we finally find out about Victor... And it's actually Elle's dad. She is constantly going, you know, daddy, daddy, you know, why, why aren't you helping us? Why are you, why is everyone fighting? And you actually have to kill her father in front of her. And it's like, oh. Yeah. It's just, oof. Oof. See, the, yeah. the point where I kind of realized that we weren't playing a lighthearted Tales game was when um, you bring back the fractured Rollo and he disappears when he mates with the real Rollo. And mm. that kind of got me. Mm-hmm. 
So thankfully, they have all those skits to help lighten the mood. Yes, most of the skits are real good. I mean, they're 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 basically written about as well as Exilia ones uh, is, and you know, Lugu doesn't have any lines except for you know, huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's interesting this being the first silent protagonist that I had played in a JRPG, like probably since the PlayStation One era, and how I understand why they did it because they didn't spoil that, but it just feels weird in a game that's fully voiced. I mean, there is some benefit to doing it in your second playthrough because the choices are at least voiced yeah. at that point. But otherwise you only hear him in battle. Like he'll say he'll say like the names of his moves, like time time distortion, I think is one of the real fun twin blade moves. But like he'll he'll say the names of all his arts and stuff like that, but that's about it unless you're in your second playthrough. Yeah, the the addition of uh, Gaius, Musee, and Luger to the original cast really just added to the battles. Luger with the three different weapons and Gaius and his just kind of lack of machinery knowledge and Musee and her cynical, fun kind of oblivious attitude. Let's not let's not forget just how much Gaius has insane reach because his sword's basically as long as Sephiroth's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gaius is ridiculous, was ridiculously OP. Gaius and Muse had like you know the freaking teleport move and the dropping magic balls on people. Yeah, I I enjoyed playing Alvin in the first game, but when Gaius became playable, Alvin kind of just he sat on the sidelines because it was just so much powerful. Yeah, I ended up. Because I was trying to go for all the trophies at one point, I ended up using pretty much everybody at some point just to kind of, you know, evenly distribute all of their stats. Well, not stats, but, you know, just kind of level them even. Yeah, because though they do gain experience outside of battle, it is at a reduced amount. Yeah. I think Gaius and Musee ended up being two of my favorite party members because of how OP they were. I think I I used Gaius, Elise... And maybe Mila, I think. I think that's what I ended up doing. Yeah. Because, you know, he- healer mage and just <laughs> freaking destroy everything. Yeah. The, the, the cast that you get in Zillia 2 with Gaius, who can, you know, he was able to create a, a he was able to cut a, a hole in the dimension and, you know, with his sword. And Musee, she created destroying a giant structures and mila becoming the guardian you know maxwell being actual luger, maxwell <laughs> yeah the, you know and luger i mean you had powerful characters and, and like know, and, the other god yeah i was just gonna say it was, it was just fun you know having having you know them playing around just just the plot power that you have under your control it was i enjoyed it yeah and then also like if you're coming from the first game pretty much all the characters in the first game play exactly like they did in the first game so mm-hmm. it's just, it's not that difficult to go between them yeah you know i heard a lot of people really down on this game when it first came out saying that it was kind of a re- rehash that there wasn't a whole lot new and i don't, i mean i think there was about a year of time in between both games when i played them but i kind of didn't see a lot of that i mean yeah a lot of the areas were re- were from the original game but as far as the story and kind of the gameplay went it felt fresh enough that i didn't feel like i was just buying uh dlc yeah there was definitely a lot of story that they did and the the first game had a lot of items that you could find in the maps around you know walking around i feel Mm -hmm. like in the second game there wasn't quite as much that you could just discover 
But there was still a lot. I mean, like you had mentioned, the cats. And there was all the added you know, costume stuff that was <laughs> scattered around the world. Yeah, so, I, I I know that I couldn't wait every time I um, finished past the story and could open up new areas just so that I could see what all neat things I could find in the areas again. Yeah, I definitely feel like it was it was just different enough um, to actually you know feel feel like a different game. Uh, even with the same kind of characters, but yeah. I know I know mo- most of the criticism I saw levy towards it was actually towards the story in terms of like you know it, though there was consequence for Luger's action, there also kind of wasn't, and like a lot of the Exilia characters didn't really have much development, if at all. They were just kind of you know there. Yeah, that was my one complaint was that all of the Z- Zilia characters, except maybe Mi- Mila were really just kind of there to be there. Mm-hmm. And just just Temporal Hat Theory, it really made me wonder if they were trying to develop a, a totally new Tales game and they didn't have time to kind of get one off the ground, so they just kind of slapped uh, the, the story and the Zilia content together and called it a sequel. I mean, to be fair, it was a very similar situation with Symphonia 2. Because yeah. perhaps the only characters got... To, like, Lloyd got some development, sure, but it was pretty much just Marta, Emil, and Richter. Mm-hmm. You know, the new characters that had much of anything to do in that game. Everyone else was just kind of tagging along. <clears throat> you know, in comparison to something like, say, Tales of Destiny 2, where yeah. there are no shared characters. Like, all the characters from the first game are all NPCs. So I don't know if that's dev time. I don't know if that's, you know, just so the way they wanted to do the story. <laughs> What'd you say? I said except for Judas. Oh, except for Judas, yeah. See, I didn't play Tales of Destiny too. I haven't been able to find a. Or there's an, a fan translation. I, I have the PSP there's, copy. Yeah, there's no fan translation of Destiny two. There was going to be one from Absolute Zero, but he dropped it. Uh one of these days. Yeah, because he did. He did Innocence. He did uh, Tempest. He was working on Destiny 2, and he also did Fantasia, but he was doing Destiny 2, and as soon as Heartstar came out, he definitely dropped that one like a stone, and eventually was like, you know, I don't really feel like doing these anymore, so no yeah. more. With Destiny 2 and Tales of Destiny, the director's cut, you got to imagine that those are two games that should be uh, translated at some point. I mean, they... Those look like a lot of fun. But... They definitely are, yeah. Especially Destiny Remake. Like, De- Destiny Remake is where we've got the got the ideas for graces like the systems between the two are almost identical and you know there's a little bit of rebirth in destiny remake as well which is another game that they should finally bring out here and that's the weird thing it's like you play graces and there's all these with the with the magic carta stuff there's all these characters from tales games that we never got yeah we usually only get them as you know super bosses and that's the only uh way that american audience we know who those people were you know, except for freaking the Innocence cast, which were a Magic card and that's all they've been in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're saying that uh, the Destiny remake has a battle system like Graces, that's right up my alley. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, Graces is the my favorite battle systems I've ever played in an RPG. Just so much. Yeah, there's no, there's no dodging, but it has the CC system. That's where it started. But yeah, uh, going back to Exilia 2, um, how would you guys feel about the, the music and sound design in it? Oh, I, I loved it. Excellent music, like always. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, honestly, Song For You, the intro song, absolutely one of my favorite Tales openers. I mean, really, my my only complaint with the sound design was the silent protagonist thing, just because I thought that that was a little bit weird for a fully voiced game. 
and there there are there is some shared music between Exilia and Exilia too, but I mean that's partly to be expected. And I'm pretty sure Fresh Button Guy makes a comeback. He does ish. It's not as it's not as you know kind of in your ears brutal as it was. And they also have a couple of voice clips that they changed. Um, yeah. But my thing with it too is that like. Some of my favorite, some of my favorite tale soundtracks are ones where they weave in the main theme into other songs. Um, Exilia didn't do it, but things like Vesperia did it, Abyss did it, and Exilia too does it because Song for You does show up in uh, some of the other songs in the game. So I think that's a really, really nice touch because it kind of ties everything together. Um, I I will say, uh, I honestly think people could jump right into Exilia too and not be too lost having not played Zillia 1, just because the plots are kind of are different enough that um, really you're only going to miss a lot of in-jokes. Yeah, I think I think that's ish, mostly because like there is still already development between all the Exilia characters. Like, you lose a lot of that, um, not basis, but like you lose a lot of the, the contextuality uh, of the interactions between them. I wouldn't say like in-jokes per se, but like actually, you know, how like Jude and Alvin, you know, they have a very different, um, they're, they're, they co- they're cohorts in a very different way than they were in Exilia. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's just like, they're suddenly in this way as opposed to, you know, being, being developed as characters. But no. yeah, you're right. It's, it's the, the plots are separate enough that, you know, though there is some kind of tie to it, you don't absolutely have to have played the first one to under to to enjoy the second. Yeah, and I I um I personally enjoyed Z- Zillia too a little bit more just because I appreciated the non linearity of it, and I I enjoyed the story a little more. I definitely really liked the battle system. I think that's what kept me really going with Exilia two compared to Exilia one. Like I liked Exilia one, but I liked Exilia 2's gameplay it had more besides you know sometimes yeah. getting gold gated. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what it was. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, you were cutting out. I just, I felt like I was more glued to Zillia's story, as as complicated as it was with being all timey wimey. Yeah, the um, the Tales games are are a, a series that me and my fiance play multiplayer, and they've always been fun. But the Zillias or the Exilia series with the 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 pairing, we just really couldn't fight together because we would kind of bump into each other and. We would have control of characters that we would want to pair with, and it would just become clunky. So that was one of the games that, you know, I would have to play solo and sh- kind of watch in the background. But, uh, yeah, it just, as a as a single-player game, it encompassed, you have so much more free range. Um, I, I mean, I've got nothing else to say. I think that's about it. Um, Rollo is best cat. Rollo is so fantastic. Yeah, Rollo is definitely series best mascot. Ah! Close. I would say definitely close. It's at hard least, to be the big cat. Very hard. Very very high in contention. I mean, I, I have a severe cat bias. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I have like a full, pretty much every Pokemon cat plush there is. And I nearly named my kitten Morgana because she looked kind of like Morgana. But I mean, honestly, fav- my, my favorite Tails mascot is probably always going to be Quickie. Oh, from Eternia? From Eternia, yeah. Or Mew. I really, really like Mew. From Abyss. <laughs> I like that Luke just eats up me. That 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 always made me laugh. <laughs> Shut up, thing. <laughs> just stop. <laughs> Master. <laughs> it helps if I'm not on mute. 
the health yeah, department just say. like going on and on. I have this nice little speech prepared, and it doesn't matter because I'm on mute. Uh, no, I say it's 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 thirty dollars on the PSN store. You can find like used copies and stuff uh, for less than that uh, if you want the disc version. And it's got really good reviews, six hundred and forty for five out of five. So apparently, a lot of people agree with y'all. Yeah. I, I would say if you're going to play both of them, you might want to have just a little bit of time in between the two because they are samey enough that you might burn yourself out. But Yeah, I can agree with de- that. Definitely check out both of them. They're, they're good little PS3 games. And you definitely want to play one the first one before going to the second one? No, you don't have to. I mean, it does give a little more contextuality to it, but you don't absolutely have to. Okay. Now, do I remember our very own Adrian Day Nowden being kind of a downer on Exilia 2. I yeah. think so. I think, because I, I remember, I remember, you know, y'all were talking a little bit about how the reviews were some down. I think I know ours was kind of down on it, too. Um, but I'm glad y'all spoke up so positively about it, validated my purchase. <laughs> and, and I, well, I see where the reviewers are coming from, because it, it does feel a little bit samey, especially if you've played the first, if you played the first one first, and you're going to feel like you're revisiting a lot, a lot of the same places, but... I, I think it stands enough on its own to enjoy it without playing the first one, or just play both of them. But I don't know, put it play like a roguelike in between or something. Yeah, definitely, definitely don't play them one right after the other because that's that's a recipe for just getting completely like tired of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm like that with Tales games anyway. I usually have to have a breather in between Tales games. Mm-hmm. Only so much LMBS one can take. Yeah. Yeah, only so, only so much button mashing my wrist can take. Oh, there you go. I always have a... Part of my problem with Tales of games sometimes is just the, the combat and getting the party members to do, I think, what they need to do. Does, does that feel like it's more solid here, or, you know, as far as when you compare it with other Tales games? Yeah, Exilia, is, they, they're probably... They're, they're smarter than they are in a lot of the games. <laughs> um... You know the 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 actual strategy systems in both of them are not the most diverse. You know, like like races, you could you could really really get down like really granular. But um, you know, they're 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 smarter than they probably are in uh, in most of the games. They're not as smart as they are in say Berseria because they're really freaking smart in Berseria. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're smarter than in Abyss or even a Vesperia because they're not they're not terrible in Vesperia. But it's not like you know absolutely stellar but yeah they're they're yeah it's it's decent enough you mentioned oh go ahead i was just saying the the shortcuts help uh in battles too where you can just give a you know a quick button to have your healer cast something like that yeah you can do that um the hardest part you can i really like doing that in exilia one in exilia two it's a little harder just because of how many freaking moves that luger has (laughs) So you almost kind of want to put his, uh, the shortcuts as his moves instead, but you know, definitely Exilia One. You know, shortcuts shortcuts are are helpful. You... I, I know. Uh, sorry, I know that the only time I really found myself screaming or wanting to throw my controller in frustration was when I was fighting a lot of the super bosses in both games. And uh, bear in mind, I play on the easiest difficulty setting just because I I like kind of enjoying the story at my own pace, mm-hmm. but. That being said, I I didn't find the difficulty that high at all. Yeah, I will say, though, um, if you're coming from something like, say, Graces, the difficulty in the Exilia games isn't quite as good 
Um, it's more in lines with, say, a Vesperia. Uh, definitely not like an Abyss, thank goodness, where unknown, you're doing one damage to everything. Um, but, you know, it's not quite as, uh, you know, you don't get, re- you get some rewards, like you get some element, more elemental ore, some more gall or something like that as you go up in the difficulties, but it's not like graces where you get, you know, massive changes and the only difference is, you know, you have to be a little more strategic and, you know, use your iron stance more and things like that, you know, or Berseria where higher difficulties aren't so punishing where it's like you just have to use strategy as opposed to brute forcing things. Exilia, you kind of do have to brute force it still a little bit. So if you want to play on, say, hard, it's still okay. If you're trying to go a little bit higher to say something like a chaos, it could be a little more difficult than something like a Graces or a Berseria. Do you feel like, you know, when you all were talking earlier about like the, some of the difficulty spikes that you kind of hit here and there and, and, and you just mentioned the super bosses and things like that. Do you feel like when you lose, do you feel like it's, 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 it's your fault or do you feel like, yeah, these stupid party members and whatever? How do you feel about that? It's usually really? not the party members. I feel it, the problem is like it's either, it's either I've made a mistake or this mm-hmm. boss is just stupid. <laughs> this boss is just stupid yeah. boss. A lot of times when I lose in Tales games, I really feel like it's my fault. Like I was uh, was being too aggressive and not um, not healing enough, uh, or doing combos no, incorrectly. Yeah, it uh, it looks really nice too. Just looking at the the screenshots here, uh, you know, you gotta love how these uh, you know how these how these anime games look on the PlayStation Three. Definitely a lot better than they did on the earlier generations. Yeah, and then the field, the field movement on Exilia 2, going back to it a little bit, is exactly like Exilia 1's, except you can actually dash now! Woo! It takes a short amount of time to get across those huge maps. There you go. Uh, and this uh, this does uh, this is uh, HD, it says, so yay. Cool. All right. And it also well, does have a collector's edition, like the first uh, the first game. Oh, well, uh, hell, let's look it up. Actually, well, yeah, we I have... actually have the box for right here. Let me stick Tebow and Rolo over here real quick so I can get it. Okay. Well, you can get that for $100 plus $17 shipping off of eBay. Oh, very nice right now. <laughs> it's trending at $80. The collector's edition is trending at $80 according to the search engine. All right. According to the box, you have the power of choice. You take control and shape your own story. Nice. Uh, you get a music selection CD and steelbox, steelbook packaging. You get the game. You get the art of Tales of Exilia 2, a plushy charm of Rolo, a replica of the Pocket Watch, a custom theme and classic co- uh, Tales of Costume DLC, and you get a 21-inch Luger Kresnik figure. Ooh. I have to admit, I regret not getting that collector's edition just for the Rolo keychain. I, I did not get it at launch. This is actually a very recent purchase for me because a friend was moving out and was trying to get rid of stuff. And it was like, here, $75. I'll give you this. I'm like done yeah you looked out there uh, tales of series zillia 2 plush doll keychain um rollo whatever uh rollo rollo lulu whatever 17.99 see it, it's funny because i i actually bought the um bigger rollo plush off of the bamco store and it was yep. on sale for like 15 bucks they regularly charge like 50 for this yeah i think i got mine for 25 and it's it's not that big of a plush. I mean, to put put that into comparison, um, like my Pokemon plushes from the Pokemon Center official store usually only run like twenty bucks, and they're nice sized little plushes. And this roll of plush isn't that much bigger than that. Yeah, it's like it, it's about the size of my white mage chocobo, and my white mage chocobo I think I got for twenty twenty five. 
Yeah. I'm definitely glad I waited on a sale because plush is a little bit overpriced, but it's I'm glad I got all it. get out though. Oh yes, they're cute little eyes. Mm-hmm. And there also is a Tipo plush, as I mentioned, with putting Tipo and Rolo over aside to get the thing. Um, and I believe that is also off of the uh, the Bamco store, and I think it's like thirty or something like that. We'd have to look it up. Yeah, I will say if you're looking for, you know, if you're looking for some of the collector's edition stuff, but like me, you already bought the game, uh, you can definitely find a lot of times people are just selling those. Uh, I see the uh, Tales of Zillia 2 Luger loose uh, figurine going for under 20 bucks. So you don't have to invest in a full collector's edition. You've already got the game and you're just looking for the keychain or you're just looking for the figurine. I've done that before. I bought the I bought the uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, the, the, um, the Aloy a figure statuette and uh yeah if i bought the whole collector's edition it would have been like a bajillion dollars but i got the statuette for like half that price so yeah so looking at people on amazon uh it is 22 centimeters 1876 plus 723 shipping there you go so yeah those uh those definitely make nice additions i'm looking at looks really nice uh would definitely go good in your display case if you happen to have one like i do um cool well thank you all so much for sharing about this it really again appreciate it because it helps validate my purchase in my backlog i'll have to bump it up to a higher position it sounds like we're gonna take uh we're gonna take another musical break and we'll uh, come back with some other segment i don't know i'm gonna pull it out of my rear end just hold on tight Welcome back. Uh, this is the final lap where we kind of read your comments, do kitchen sink stuff, tell you what we're playing, everything. And uh, I don't have a, 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 we don't have a lot of comments on the other thing. We don't have any comments because I literally had I gotten behind in getting the shows edited and uh, we had just posted the last show right before we recorded this show two weeks later. So hashtag real life, hashtag work sucks. Um, but yeah, so go and check it out because we talked a lot about about games yes we talked about games didn't we mike <laughs> that is correct it was games did you, did you want to be any more specific or shall we be as broad as possible in an attempt to widen our audience uh, you know i'm all about widening our audience but i do recall that we talked late into the night in fact almost all felt like several nights put together i almost had to summon up the courage just to hang in there mm, you know I think that the night has already summoned Mr. Carpenter, who talked about that particular series with me. And without him, it would have been just me, which wouldn't have worked out very well because I don't bounce off myself very well for very long. Mm-mm. See, I had only ever played the one Game Boy Advance game, and that was just that was a side game, so I didn't even realize that they were uh, meant to be uh, which, which one? One or two? Oh. Starcraft Story 1. Yeah, okay. same here. I only play Starcraft, Starcraft Story 1. Yeah. Which, you know, it, that is something. I found the sprites were freaking adorable. That's the only reason I played mm-hmm. it. Yeah, we talked and about it. And it reminded 
It reminded me of a Tales game. Yeah, we got Sam. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we definitely talked about a lot of that. Or y'all Well, if you play it. a non-spinoff, then it won't remind you of a Tales game, at least not in combat, I guarantee. Well, no, it might still, because there are Tales Tactics games. Yeah. Mm, eh, maybe. But I don't want to restate all of what we said last time, especially with my voice not feeling very good. So, so go and listen we'll just to let it. the lack of comments, because the thing was just up indexed. Less than 24 hours ago, I think. No. But what I'll no, do... no, 48 hours ago. Damn. But what I'll do is... I'm I'll... losing track of time. <laughs> 48 hours ago, and it takes 48 hours just to listen to some of our podcasts. Anyways, um, I will point out uh, that uh, that we do do a lot of conversation. Do-do, I just said do-do. We do a lot of conversations on Twitter and on Discord, so come join us over there. Uh, we've been doing a lot of chit-chat on both about JRP July. JRPG July, I mean. Uh, so feel free to come in and jump in and I'll, yeah, I'm sure some of us are going to talk about what we're doing for JRP July doing our, during our parts here, but join in on conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Um, so yippee hashtag JRPG July and at RP gamer and all those other hashtags and discord and stuff. We got a whole channel. We got a channel just set up for it right there on discord. So come join in. But with that being said, yeah, let's do some round, uh, round table stuff. Um, <laughs> Mash, you still with us? Mm. Why don't you kick us yeah, off? I'm painless. All right, kick it off. All right. Um, I mean, I guess the long and short for like the past three weeks has been Shadowbringers is so freaking good. Is it? Tell oh us about it. Gosh, How good yeah. is it? Uh, How good is uh, it? Uh, so one of my friends summed it up, I think, the best that, that it, it can be. And she's, you know, kind of jaded with MMOs, but loves, you know, 14's gotten her back kind of into it and play all the Final Fantasy games and all that, has said that Shadowbringers is the best Final Fantasy story since Final Fantasy Tactics. Get that's out. Yeah, that's bold. That's, you're putting it and out I there. I played it myself. It is fantastic. Like the the all the characters that you've you've seen throughout the rest of the game, and even some of the new ones, they all have development except for one. But you know, he's a villain that's kind of a one note villain. But you know, whatever. But pretty much everyone else besides that has just fantastic uh, um, development. The stakes are super high, and they you know the game it just it 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 gut punches you in the first thirty minutes, and it's like. Holy cow! And it just never stops. Bam! Fantastically written. Masayoshi, uh, Masayoshi Soken, the uh, the composer for the game, has completely outdone himself. Every single song on the OST for Shadowbringers is absolutely fantastic. Uh, the gameplay changes, though it's a little bit simpler than it was in previous expansions. It makes it more accessible, which I love. And the new jobs are absolutely fun to play. It is, I mean, oh, the new areas are all absolutely beautiful. Uh, they changed a couple of the systems, so they actually work really well and allows people to do, do them more instead of just, oh, we did this one-off thing and now we're not going to do it anymore. And it's just, oh, it's, oh my goodness. I cannot say more positive things about Shadowbringers. It is probably, it is absolutely one of my favorite games this year, if not the last couple of years. Now, do you... and, uh, the new raid actually just dropped um, today, and I've only done the first part of it, and it already was like, oh my god, they went there. 
so, and that's all I'll say about it because there is so much in this that I just I don't want to say too much about the actual story besides oh my god because people need to experience it. Okay, okay, I'm hearing what you're laying down, but let's say well, I haven't played the game in forever or I haven't played the game at all. Is this going to be something that's really hard to get into if I don't have a max level character or a character that got up to the previous expansions? You do have to get up to level 70 in order to get into that expansion and also finish the, the story up to the uh, pre- the final patch of Stormblood. However, if you are so inclined, there are also ways to skip through that that are available for real cash money. Yeah. And you could pay, I think, uh, I don't know if the sale is still going on. It was for seventeen fifty before the expansion came out, but it's usually about $25 to get a, uh, a story skip to be able to go right to the start of Shadowbringers. I don't suggest doing it because other than A Realm Reborn, like Heavensward, Stormblood, well, Stormblood story is weaker than Heavensward and a lot weaker than Shadowbringers, but, you know... All, all, all the whole game is generally very good. It gets a, li- it drags on for a little bit, but you know, if you really just want to kind of push through to Shadowbringers, but you don't want to spend money, you can always skip cutscenes. Does yeah, that's what I've been doing, trying to level. Um, I'm I'm in Shadowbringers right now. I think my uh, machinist is like level sixty four or something Ooh, like that. And... You get into the good parts. <laughs> And a lot, a lot of the more inconsequential cutscenes, I've been just skipping. And is it um, if you are trying to work through all the old story content? Um, is is there like a lot of grinding that you have to do? You know, in between. In, in Realm Reborn, there's still a little bit. They actually added. Uh, they up the experience that you get for uh, for a lot of stuff. There are various things you can use to kind of uh, um, aid in your experience gain. Mm-hmm. Uh, like accessories and things like that that give you percentage bonuses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, it used, you know, the, the post 50 quests. So, you know, between Heavens, uh, of Realm Reborn and Heavensward, those actually give you XP now as well. So you're not just going from level 50 and having to start fresh in store and, and uh, Heavensward going from 50 to 60. You actually are gaining experience as you're getting there. So you might start Heavensward at level 61 or 62, for instance. What about when you're doing, like, the the post-main game whatever content, and you're already level 70? Is there, like, an item grind in order to get up to that later expansion stuff? Or you can just kind of get through the stories at that point? No, I mean, there are some some gates with the item level gear score, whatever you want to call it. Um, Mm -hmm. But because, because of the way that the token system works... All the previous expansions, so Heavensward and Stormblood, both of those use the same token to get the you know the highest level gear you can possibly get for level sixty and level seventy, and you get those just by doing the dun- the post the post seventy and post sixty dungeons. Hmm. Cool. Well, sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, and and of course that's going to be on the the PC, but I you know they also got that on the PlayStation Four and Xbox, yes. don't they? They. The, the the producer uh, Naoki Yoshida has said that he wants to put it on the three on the Xbox One, but there were some things with Microsoft wanting to use their own servers instead of using Square servers, and I don't know if that's you know if they're actually playing well with each other uh, right now about that whole entire thing. Now that Phil Spencer is up in the, uh, as the head of Xbox and he's trying to you know make spread out things, you know putting Xbox on Nintendo Switch and things like that. So that's yet to be seen. But currently, it is only PC and PlayStation Four. Oh, okay. All right. And it's also only 64-bit systems. I should also say that. It's also on Mac now, by the way. 
And I'll tell yeah, you, bit Mac. I'll tell you, you know, as a PlayStation person who dabbled in it, it works really good on the PlayStation. It is like, very, very controller friendly. Yeah, very. Except, <laughs> there's some jobs that are a little less, but not by much. Mm. All right, cool. Otherwise, and... uh, JRPG July. I'm hoping to crack into, um, try and finish like uh, Pokemon Ultra Sun, uh, maybe Tales of Vesperia. There's a couple of things. I have a little bit of gaming ADD, except for Shadowbringers, so... Oh, totally understandable. It happens to the best of us. Mm-hmm. Only other thing, I am actually in a Pathfinder campaign right now that I am very much enjoying, uh, playing Spirit Dancer Medium, uh, who usually channels a barbarian spirit and proceeds to scream her uh, her uh, little wiry head off. Well, that sounds exciting. What's the and campaign? I'm actually going to be doing another one where I'm a lawful evil... Relentless Inspector. Ah, is it a, a Paizo Adventure Path or Homebrew? Nope. Uh, uh, this one, the one I'm currently in, is a Homebrew. It's kind of based on something like uh, Subasa Chronicles, where you're going between different dimensions to try and uh, and solve a mystery. And then the uh, the other campaign is going to be kind of like a pseudo superhero type thing, like you specialize in one uh, particular thing, like perception or stealth or or like knowledge engineering or something like that. And you have like a, a, a um, like a superpower associated with that. So like I, I went into perception. So I have minor clairvoyance, and um, and I don't know if it's perfect perception, but uh, it's something along those lines. Sounds like fun. Well, coolie, coolie, awesome. All right, who else do we have on the list? We have new guy. Hello. What's new guy working on? New guy is working on Mother Three, which Ooh. I'm having tons of fun with. Just got into Chapter Five, and I don't know if it's the ROM that I purchased. Uh, I, I bought a fan fan t- translated ROM on a little Game Boy Advance cartridge, hmm. um, but I can't seem to get the battle timing, hit timing mini game thing figured out. I don't see. I can't seem to hit the beats correctly. I don't know if it's the ROM or if it's just me. But other than that, the game has been tons of fun. I enjoy the, the writing, even though it's not an official Nintendo translation. It's It's been it's been taking me back to my old Earthbound. So that's that's something I'm enjoying right now. Uh, other than that, I'm also playing Fire Emblem Radiant Dawn. Ooh. And so we got to see Ike grow up. Now he's a big, beefy Ike. He's not little scraggly ike anymore he's got some muscles on him we we just actually got to the chapter where he shows up and the grail mercenaries are kicking butt yeah that's that's fun i haven't had too many resets i've been letting letting the missus play a couple chapters and if she gets stuck then i'll take over help her out but um so we're doing that in uh and i'm also playing final fantasy 11 what can i do for you so you guys know that's 10 too. No, no, it's 11 <laughs> also. It's every Final Fantasy game. You guys have been playing the new fancy online game. I'm going to throw back and go into the Wayback Machine. I'm playing a private server, level 75 cap, Final Fantasy 11, and uh, just uh, having fun leveling my Dragoon. Because as I had mentioned earlier, Final Fantasy 4 was my favorite Final Fantasy, so I was a big fan of... Kane as a character, so I get to dress up as Kane now. That's always. I mean, I would be definitely playing some Eleven if uh, they used to have this campaign thing where if you had an active 
14 subscription or an active 11 subscription, you got a discount on uh, on vice versa. And Ooh. if that was the case, I absolutely would be playing Final Fantasy 11 as well because I love missing Final Fantasy 11. Yeah, and it was another thing about uh, 14 that I enjoyed because you know, like playing as dragoons, and that was fun. I played 14 up until uh, uh, Stormblood, and uh, I kind of lost interest after that. But yeah, Heaven Sword was a great story. I enjoyed it a lot, and then it, it died. My, my love for the gun. I stopped. Yeah. I didn't get to get into Shadowbringers at all. From what you've been talking about, it sounds like a great time. You're, you're piquing my interest a little bit. It's like I hate to, I hate to, to freaking you know hijack it again. But like Heavensward was a really good story. Shadowbringers is even better. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. So yeah, those are the those are the three games that I'm occupying my time mostly. Uh, I did get to beat Path of Radiance earlier this month. Um, just moved right into uh, Radiant Dawn. Keep on posting my updates in the JRPG July uh, section, and yeah. Did, did you anymore. did you find uh, Radiant Dawn for a decent price? Um, last year I went on like an eBay, Amazon RPG, like just like spending spree, and I think I got Radiant Dawn for fifty or sixty dollars. Oh, wow, that's, cool. that's really good. Yeah, pretty much. But that's you know new price, but it was used. Um, it just came with the, you know, the the case, the shell, and the, the disc. I don't know if the, I don't know if the box set came with anything else, but mine didn't. It was a manual. That's about it. Yeah. I, I just yeah, remember you, you like ninety. <laughs> yeah, I I remember just going crazy trying to find a copy of the Wii one, and ended up getting lucky and finding it at GameStop, and they luckily they were only charging sixty four, which, yeah, it's like a little bit gouging, but that's a lot better than the hundreds that I was seeing it go for on eBay. So really? I I snapped that up. I mean, to be yeah. fair, Path of Radiance is still more expensive. Really? Yeah. yeah. See, I know. I, I know. I ordered my copy and it was one hundred and thirty. I picked. The, I got lucky with that one. I picked it up on clearance at Target for twenty. Ah, you lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I think last year eBay was doing like a ten percent or fifteen percent off day, and I think I just bought a whole bunch of games that day. Maybe the game was a little bit more expensive, but with the discount, I think. Hmm. Well, that's good that you got a good price on it because mm-hmm. that those two games have shot up. Oh yeah, I mean it's not Earthbound levels, but it's, they're they're up there. Oh, Earthbound oh, levels. If, if I could slap myself uh, from twenty five years ago, I I would because I had Earthbound in its original big old you know case, and uh, when I was young and dumb and wanting to buy a PlayStation One, I sold all of my Super Nintendo RPG for you know, PlayStation One and. Think Beyond the Beyond and Battle Arena. To- <laughs> oh, no! Ooh. Yeah, mistakes were made. Uh, it was a bad time. <laughs> I I really am sad about th- that. I mean, you I probably just saw Camelot and was like, oh, yeah, Camelot, Shiny they Force. Make good thing. They make good things, right? Right? <laughs> it was the new system, and I my mom wasn't going to be buying these games for me anymore, so I had to do it on my own, and the only way I was going to do it was to sell my entire Super Nintendo library. Boy, was that a mistake. I still remember I was in an electronics boutique, and I distinctly remember seeing the shelf with the PlayStation games, and right on the end cap was a copy of Tales of Destiny 2, Tales of Eternia. And it was like 30 bucks or something like that. Of course, you know, 
11-year-old me. It's not Final Fantasy. It's not Pokemon. I don't care. Slap myself in the back of the head. See, I remember... That thing, that thing now is like $200. I remember my greatest gaming shame was seeing Valkyrie Profile at a GameStop, or at EB Games back then for 30 bucks and thinking, eh, 30 bucks, that's too expensive. Little did I know, not a year later, that thing was going to shoot up to... I mean, like, ridiculous amounts. And um, my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, ended up buying that for me for Christmas, like, the first year we started dating. And he just said that he camped eBay and managed to get it for 60 Oh, wow. That's really good. Yeah. So I, uh, after, after the Super Nintendo fiasco, I pretty much made it, you know, one of my mantras to never sell an RPG again. And... Uh, it, it got to around the, the time where Suicoden 2 was one of the most rare RPGs you could find. And I was going to show my friend, you know, the game. And I was going to you know, kind of show him how amazing the game was. And I opened up the jewel case. I look inside to an empty case. And to this day, I don't know where my copy of Suicoden 2 is. And it, it brings a tear to my eye because oh. the prices are so ridiculous now. Th- that is unfortunate. for 70 um, I got mine for free because I had a friend that was working at a video uh, video store that was closing, and she was like, "Hey, you you want this?" And I was like, "You you realize how much that's going for, right?" And uh, she's like, "Yeah, I don't care. You can have it." <laughs> wow. <laughs> the the only sucky thing is that my copy is a little bit scratched up, but it works. That that's what matters. Yes, it is. So I still have the empty jeweled case, and I just kind of look at it, and sometimes I just I just cry as I. As... Hey, at least you might be able to find the disc for somewhat of a reasonable price. Yeah, she I see says. the price on Amazon. They're you know they're in the the mid hundreds. I, oh, I just I... haven't been able to bite the bullet and purchase it. Or right, you could I... just buy the PSN edition. Yeah, yeah, oh, just... I, yeah I did. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll this will do for now. I... I didn't realize that disc only had shot up that bad. Oh, yeah. It's bad. Yeah. I would say that would be my gaming blunder was selling. I don't know where I sold it. I don't know how I sold it, but somewhere along the line, I sold. Because I've got every other Suikoden game except for that one. I know I had it at some point, so I must have sold it. Yeah. Regrets. It's probably hanging around in the same spot mine is somewhere in the abyss. It's like my old brick GBA. Oh, sorry. My brick GB and my old copy of Final Fantasy Legend 3. Somewhere in the abyss. <laughs> it's bad because I was saved from the final boss. See, I've I've never gotten rid of an RPG, but I did give my husband when I was when we started dating. I gave him my copy of the Misadventures of Tron Bon because he was a huge Mega Man fan, Ooh. and I did not know that a year later that that one was going to shoot up to ridiculous prices. So mm-hmm. I I I guess I can never divorce him now. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Actually, I think I think I I remember one of my worst blunders was I really really wanted a 3ds when it came out. I really wanted one. It was right after the ambassador program, so I was just like, well, I guess I should might as well get one now. Well, how did I get that money? By going to a convention and getting rid of the entire Dot Hack quadrilogy. Oh, for sixty bucks. Ooh. Oh. Well, to be fair, those games aren't really that great. And it took me. It took me till a couple of years ago, and about two hundred dollars later, <laughs> to get the entire quadrilogy back. I'm like, oh, why did I do that? I really had trouble getting into those games. 
I really like the first one. I I got to halfway through the second one and I got stonewalled by one of the bosses and I actually beat it last the the the, the boss last year. I was like, oh, finally after a decade I could finish this video game. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, yeah, I could I could talk about my collecting blunders and triumphs all day. Mm-mm-mm. All right, you're staring at all my Japanese tales games. Speaking of tales, speaking of tales, um. All right, so, well, speaking of... You can talk about it all day, Miss Riley. What's up with you? Well, I... Speaking of reasonably priced games, I, for JRPG July, have been playing the um, Secret of Mana collection. Ooh. Which, Which I I gotta say, 40 bucks for that entire package is is, is an excellent deal, especially given how much Secret goes for these days. Not only that, but how much work they put into... um... The fact that the the tail the the mana game that we never thought was going to come out here actually came out here. Yeah, and I'm surprised at how good the localization is because really I thought good. I thought that they was just going to blind idiot translate it because you know it's a 20 year old game or yeah 20 year old game at this point. 23. They didn't, they didn't care, but you know the fa- the fact because I'm playing through Hawkeye's campaign right now, and the fact that Nicolo has uh, talks and cat puns. And um, the cleric girl, she kind of has a cutesy little accent. Um, they really went above and beyond in the localization and trials. Not only that, but they actually the original the original game I believe was a, either a twenty four or thirty two meg game, and they actually expanded the size of the game to be able to have high res fonts for a collection of mana. See, I wonder. I I wondered if the fonts were high res because they. Mm. I thought that they looked a little off, and it was especially. It's especially drawing when you see the fonts compared to say a, uh, a uh, selection where it asks yes or no. Like something about it was just really jarring, and I couldn't put my finger on it. Yep, they changed they changed the dialogue font to uh, not only include more English characters, but also to to have a higher resolution font for like playing on a TV. I really appreciate that because let me tell you, playing through Secret of Mana, um, that font on my big screen TV was practically unreadable. Doesn't happen that they have like the little uh, honeycomb effect on the the menu. Yeah, it, it really bothered the crap out of me, and the fact that you couldn't change it to a solid um, pattern. You go really close, but not completely solid. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't see very well anyway, so I get really angry when I can't, you know, make a font readable. So the fact that they kind of managed to, to do a high-res font for the sequel at least makes me happy. Not not so much for the original. But th- th- thankfully that game's kind of story-light anyway, so I managed to get through it. And I forgot how bad the hit detection was in the first game, too. Because, man, so, so, when I was going through those final areas and just getting my butt handed to me, I was ready to throw the switch into the wall. Yeah, Final Fantasy Adventure is, uh, gonna be a little rough. Yeah, oh, I was, I was talking about Secret of Mana. Oh, I was talking about Secret of Mana. Yeah, the, the hit detection in that can be very hit or miss. It's a little bit, yeah. No pun intended. I feel like they were still kind of figuring a lot of things out back then. But I yeah. mean, it's one, it was one of the first action RPGs that Square had done, really. Yeah. yeah, but they nailed it with Trials of Mana because that game just controls beautifully. Yeah, Trials of Mana is just magnifique. Yeah, I, I love that game. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that they brought it here. And, I mean, 
40 bucks just for that game alone to me makes it worth it. The fact that you get the other two as a bonus is just awesome. Hmm. Um, see, other than that, I haven't had a whole lot going on. I've got a new couch, which means, uh, you know, I hadn't really been doing a lot of TV gaming lately just because my old couch was getting so old that um, it was getting pretty threadbare. And when the recliner mechanism went out on me, it's like, okay, I've got to get something because I can't deal with this uncomfortableness anymore. So went out, got a new one. It is nice and comfy. And I am gaming in luxury now. But is it too comfy? Do you find it nodding off? I noticed uh, Sunday it was a little bit too comfy, and I did nod off, yes. Yeah, that's the true test. But It reminds me of how um, I'm having real, real trouble because my girlfriend uh, got a 4K, like 50-inch 4K TV for like $150. Mm-hmm. And... I, I'm trying to stay on the course that the only things plugged into that are going to be her console, so her PS4 and her Switch. But I'm like, oh, 4K though, I can plug, I can, I can put a 720 thing. It'll upscale really good. It's going to look amazing. And we're putting like a, a sound system with it too. I'm just like, I want a game on this, but I need to keep my games in my office. <laughs> I'm sure if you asked very nicely. No, I, I actually just don't have room in my office for a uh. <laughs> See, my husband and I have completely separate gaming areas. He has his Xbox One upstairs, and I have the PS4 downstairs and all my classic stuff, and it just kind of works better like that. And to be fair, the, the nodding off part, that's usually when I get a cat or two. Because I've, I've got six cats, and on any given time, if I'm on the couch, three of them are on me. Yeah. And they form a nice little blanket of warmth and comfort. Kitty binky. Yep. Uh, Mr. Mr. Minky, I, I know your voice isn't 100%. Do you want to share anything, or do you want to pass? Uh, what I've been playing lately is pretty scattershot. Uh, I started playing Fallout 4 and discovered that it performs very badly on my machine, or at least it was. <laughs> I think I was dipping into about five frames per second. That's not uh, good. Also, I've discovered that my my controller connected to the PC, um, the left thumbstick is broken, so I kind of need to get a replacement. Otherwise, I perpetually try to move up, and that's not always a good thing. Uh, I tried to play Bloodstained Ritual of the Night several times. In fact, let me let me just try again, because I'm pretty sure that exactly the same thing will happen the last time I tried. This will t- this will go very quickly. Let us make this attempt. Preparing to launch Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Let's see what happens here. <laughs> and nothing is happening. Nope, nothing is happening. Because we are going to get a notification here any moment. Yes, yes, you're running. You're running. No, no. There it goes. Low-level fatal error. Hmm. The UE4 Bloodstained ROTN game has crashed and will close. And yeah, apparently that is what has happened every time. Wow! I don't know what I did. I even uninstalled and reinstalled it, and same thing happens. I don't know what I did. Hmm. Uh, so I have completed Wargroove enough to get a review up. Well, probably should have been writing that while everybody was talking, but I don't. <laughs> um, there is an epilogue to Wargroove. It requires that you reach one hundred. 
Wargroove has a bunch of stars. We've talked about this before, Phil, and you know, mm-hmm. now that you've played some Wargroove, you know how the stars work. You get them for the difficulty that you beat a battle on. Mm-hmm. Which you weren't, you... you weren't kidding, man. That AI is not a joke. Like, I, like I've played a lot of Advanced Wars, and I'm just so used to kind of being able to throw a, a cheap unit out there as a herring. <laughs> and and the, the AI is like, mid, gives me a middle finger and just works around it and waits to pounce on all my units all at once. It's great. Yeah, the AI, you can fool it a couple of times. It, it, it's not very smart when it comes to uh, foregoing a chance to take over a town for revenue. Yeah, it does like to grab those towns a little too eagerly. But if you if you give it an opening, it will take that opening. And it won't necessarily attack even if you put something out there just as bait so that only the the vulnerable unit can hit it. Uh uh-uh. uh. It might not it might just sit there. It might not take the bait. That's what I was saying. Like I'll put a I'll put a foot soldier up ahead and I have it to where he's in range of a ballista or a trebuchet or whatever, a couple of archers, and AI's like, Nope. Not doing it, but we will get close enough to where on the next turn we're going to be able to take out your trebuchet and archers. <laughs> you know, like we'll get just right outside their range so we can rush in on them next turn. Like, damn you, AI. So, uh, if you play every battle in the main campaign and the side missions, I'm sure you've seen some of those by now, mm-hmm. then you'll come pretty close to having enough stars to get the epilogue. If you don't, if you play at a lower difficulty, then you're gonna need you're gonna need to go into the puzzle mode and go through. It feels weird to call arcade mode, which is a sequence of five battles with the same commander. That uh, I don't know why they called that arcade mode, but they did. Hmm. But until you get 100 stars and you get three for taking a battle on the top difficulty, two for lower difficulty, one for even further lower. Oh dear. Mm-hmm. You get one for each puzzle mode that you go through. There are 25 total puzzles. You get one for going through an arcade run on easy. So you're going to have to go through multiple things if you want to get that epilogue. And until I, well, I I currently have 79 stars, and I don't really feel like blasting through all of the remaining <coughs> puzzles and uh, most of the arcade runs in order to get the epilogue, even however interesting it would be Hmm. what else I started Child of Light actually on the Vita oh cute remember a few years ago Phil when I tried to play it using Origin yep and it didn't work at all Mm -mm. well now that I've actually got it working instead of refusing to work perpetually I can kind of see, yeah, this is cute. This is very interesting. I kind of like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a super cute. I love the watercolors in that game. And if you're going to rip off a battle system, you can make a lot worse choices than Grandia. Because I love Grandia's battle system, and that's pretty much what what it kind of taps into there. Yeah, kind of like a more active one, since you can like kind of do a timed hit defend kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you can... I, I like the I like the way the script is told in verse. That's that's hard to do. Yeah, yeah, well written. So the conclusion apparently is that if you don't, if you can avoid playing it on Origin, Child of Light is worth playing. Mm-hmm. Or, no, no, no. 
You play. I'm sorry. This is a Ubisoft release. Origin is EA. I must remember the proprietary launchers of all of my major publishers. Mm. Yep, you got to get them right. I'm 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 shocked Square Enix doesn't have its own proprietary launcher. It, 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 it's it just uses Denovo all the time on Steam. Yeah. Like, give, give it time. Give it time, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, just wait for Activision Blizzard to have its own unique launcher. I'm sure they, it'll happen. They, well, they, they technically do, do. Which one? The Blizzard launcher. Oh, right, right. Oh, yeah. Which, sorry, I'm, I've been focusing far too much on the aggressive microtransaction use of major publishers lately, which has soured me a bit on them. Mm. <laughs> Can't imagine why. Mm-mm. Um, yeah, but plan anything else lately? I don't think so. I guess that just leaves stating that um, Spider-Man Far From Home is pretty good. Go check it out. Um, I'm, I'm not going to go see it with me, but I we still haven't gotten a chance to. Without saying exactly who it is, how'd you like that cameo in the mid-credits scene? It reminded me that that particular character had not been in the amazing Spider-Man movies at all because those movies were completely misbegotten. <laughs> I was very happy with the cameo. I was glad. It was the best testing for that character. And uh, yeah. I lost my mind at that cameo because that that casting of that particular character is just spot on. Spot on, and I love him. Yes, and here's me right. sitting all the way back in last year, having seen uh, um, oh gosh, uh, Spider Verse maybe two weeks ago. You know, I I would say Spider Verse is superior to Far From Home. Yeah, that's, it is. That's mainly because Spider Verse is really, really good, and Far From Home Spider-verse is just was fan very good. Well, it's funny you guys should. It's funny you guys should bring that one up because I'm buying it on Amazon Prime sale that ends in two hours, one hour and a half. But uh, yeah, that's a sale for like twenty percent off, and I didn't get to see it in theaters, so I'm picking that guy up on DVD. Um, I, I will say, if you give a crap about the MCU and you haven't seen Endgame before you see Far From Home, you kind of need to go see it first. Oh, good. I guess I can't go see Far From Home. <laughs> yeah. Because I got left behind to go see Endgame. Because End, Endgame is basically kind of an epilogue of... Or no, Far From Home is Far basically home. Kind, of, kind of an epilogue of Endgame. I can agree with that, yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, all I can say. <laughs> Okay. Well, um, anything else, Mister Minky? No, I. No, you, you go. I. I don't want to talk anymore for a while. Sorry. I don't blame you at it's all. Okay. Yeah. Well. Uh. So yeah. Been waiting for my Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse DVD, Blu-ray, whatever, to come in the mail. Uh. <laughs> so other than a couple of computer things for CRPG Club, I have. Uh, I, I I got a. I, I was at a restaurant. Shirley and I like to eat at um, a shabu shabu place. And when I was sitting down, there was an iPad. The server it was kind of slow when we walked in. So I'm guessing he was watching this this anime on his iPad because it was just left on. And I recognized a screenshot from uh, Attack on Titan. And I said, "Hey, is that Attack on Titan?" He's like, "Yeah, how'd you know?" And I said, "Well, you know, I." I play a lot of video games and read a lot of coverage and so i you know i recognized that and uh he's like oh man you really gotta watch it and he just went on and on and on 
So I got home and eventually, in between all the work that I was doing, jumped on to Crunchyroll, which only gives you five commercials every two minutes if you're not paying every month. But I, 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 I couldn't stop watching. So I was, every time the commercials came out, I just went and you know, I actually did work. Um, so they actually gave me a good break from the show so I could get something done. But, uh, oh my gosh, I just, I just couldn't stop watching. That show is super gross and super creepy because there's a, if you haven't seen or haven't heard of it before, there's these gigantic, creepy looking titans. They look like people, creepy people without clothes on. Don't worry, they don't have any, you know, genitalia or anything. But they, otherwise they just like big, fat, creepy Homer Simpsons almost. They, 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 they eat one thing. And that's regular people. But, I mean, they range anywhere from, like, 4 meters tall up to, you know, 20, 30, 40 meters tall, whatever. And when they go rampaging through the city, they pick up people and they they bite into them like Randy Savage snapping into a Slim Jim. Oh, yeah! But, but and if that was it, that wouldn't be super exciting. It's creepy, if anything else. But there's a lot of plot, you know, and stuff going on there as... As the show goes on, it starts to explore the subject of who is the real who is the real threat to humanity. Is it these these titans? Which, by the way, the way the way the people are protecting themselves is they're protected by these big, huge walls, three circles of walls. But um, but but who's really the real threat? Is it the titans or is it the people? Because when fear sets in, when they break in through the outer wall uh, and they make it to the middle wall, uh, people really start freaking out and they start attacking each other and fighting over resources and, and that sort of thing a lot of paranoia and so that's the question um are the titans really just there to push humanity over the brain to where they make themselves extinct so it's a really cool i'm, I'm really liking that and so i think i'm gonna get the there's an attack on titan game i think i want to get that so i can play through the episodes as i watch them it seems super cool dragon quest builders 2 is out but i've been playing dragon quest builders 1 for jrpg july and oh my gosh, that is so much fun. Uh, except for the second boss, the big flying bird. I hate the big flying bird. The bird is evil. That was I hated a, that boss too. That was so frustrating. He freaking he does that whirlwind attack, and if there's a way to dodge that, the tornadoes he throws out, I, I sure as hell. Maybe I needed to dig down to the ground or something, but. Uh, every time one of those things will pick you up, they throw you far away, and by the time I run back to my ballista, he's just left range of the ballista, and I gotta wait for him to come back around. It just drug the whole fight out. Just just horrible. The, the the combat really isn't the strong suit in that game. But I'm on a third chapter now. I'm making real progress. I'm definitely on track to beat that for uh, JRPG July. But if I if I get any time off, because work has just been a pain in the ass, and there is some light in the tunnel. Like If I can get through it faster... Uh, I'd like to jump into uh, Ease, because we were talking about that on Twitter. Uh, Which Ease game? Well, you know, we're going to start with the first one. So, because I never really on got what? it. PC, so I can play it officially for CRPG Club. Because I've got every single Ease game through GOG, except for the one that it never came out in America, is what I've been told. Was that, four or five? Oh, That's uh, five, five. Which, which is also not on PS not on any form of PC ever unless you emulate no, it. It was so. only yeah. it was only on Super uh, Super Famicom and it has never come out in the United in the West, which is like come on. It's the only one left. Come on, Valcom. Yeah. I'm sure it'll get a remake at some point cuz Valcom has. Uh, well, a lot of people said it, it was 9 really is on the way. Effort. I'm no. sure Valcom's one of Falcom's other teams is working on 5. Why not? Why not? I mean, make it happen. 
if you think about it, they remade three as Oath and Fulgana for the, for the PSP, and then they remade four for the Vita. So Sony just needs to announce another handheld so that they'll have an excuse to release five or at least put that PS2 port. Or just put it on Switch. It's the handheld now for RPGs. Like, it's basically not Vita at this point. It says says here I've got Ease 1, Ease 2, Ease Origin, uh, Ease Memories of Celseta. That's four. Ease the Oath and Falgana. That's three. Uh, Three, you're right, yeah. Ease uh, the arc of uh, nepotism. That's six. <laughs> yes. And E seven, and uh, and then E eight. So yeah, they're all they're all on um, yeah PC PC GOG whatever. Just gotta em- get to them. Just emulate five. Emulate it. What what system was it no, on? No, don't, don't bother. It's it's really not worth your time until they make re- they remake it. Hmm. Yeah, it is kind of one of the it's, weaker it, ones. Yeah, I've heard it's kind of middling, but, you know, it's the only one we don't have. Make it happen, Ivar, please! Uh, so, yeah, yeah, they need to... I a... played it. I, I barely remember it because it didn't feel like an Ease game. It felt like any generic Super Famicom action RPG. Uh, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Maybe they'll yeah. do a proper... Speaking speak of, speak of proper remakes or whatever have you, I, you know, you were talking about the the other Mana game that just came out. The, the one that never came trials. to America? Yeah, Trials. Yeah, trials. trials. So, I'm a little torn because I, I loved um, Secret of Mana, you know, way back in the Super Nintendo days, right? I haven't gone back and played it in years, but when it was on the Super Nintendo, man, that, that game was the shit, right? That that game mm-hmm. was just awesome. Uh, got such great memories of that game. And so, I see the Trials, and I know it's better. I know that they've, you, you know, I've heard a lot of people say it's better, uh, it, it looks obviously it looks very similar because it's the Super Nintendo graphics and everything else. Um, but then I heard, I, I guess you know, the interesting thing is they also announced that they're doing a remake, and it of course looks a lot more modern. It looks really cute. Da, 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 da. Do you feel like there's something to be said for waiting till the remake comes out, or do you are you going to play both, or what, what's your feeling on that? Well, let me tell, let me tell you my opinion. Uh-huh. If, if I were you, I would go ahead and get the three piece collection for forty bucks and dip your toe in at least to the to the, the to the original and see how much you like it. Uh-huh. Because um, I played a little bit of the Adventures of Mana Relay remake. I didn't care for it that much. I thought it was kind of buggy. Yeah. And the Secret of Mana remake I heard was really buggy. At mm-hmm. least on launch, they fixed pretty much all of it. There's still some crashes, but they fixed pretty much all of it. And even in Adventure, they fixed a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't find any real bug problems in Adventures when I played it, what, year and a half or so after it came out? Mm-hmm. Secret, um, it crashed on me a few times, I remember that. I had one, I had two crashes playing on Vita my whole entire time playing it, and I haven't had any crashes on PS4 or PC. Do you feel Naturally, like, of course, because of the Vita and those patched remakes? Do you feel like they pretty much replace that experience for you? Like, uh, I mean, the, the thing about Adventures and and Secret is that they are faithful to a fault. Mm-hmm. Like they still they 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 replicate the original experience while still being slightly different. But I still feel like they're their own unique experience just because of the way they're presented and the way the dialogue is rewritten. Mm, okay. 
So I think the originals do still have a place. Um, and even in terms of like going between Super Nintendo Trials and the remake trials, the remake trials is going to play completely differently. Like either, either they've learned from what people and reviewers have said about how faithful Adventures in Secret were, and they're going for something more modern because it plays absolutely nothing like it. Like the, the, the first two remakes, you know, they were top down, just like the original games. They played pretty much like the original games. Whereas this one is behind the back, action RPG, more in lines with something like an ease game, more, a more modern ease game or more modern action game. So I think there's something to be said for fu- learning what the original experience was like before going into the remake. Because the remake is going to be so vastly different. Mm. Right. For adventures yeah, in particular, the remake could have definitely done with expanding the field of view from the from the very cramped Game Boy style because it really starts to grate on you when you're in a small area and everything respawns the instant scroll next door over and over. That Dealing with keys and things like that. Like, if you're going to yeah. play the first mana game, play Sword of Mana. Hmm. Yeah, I but I love I love Adventures of Mana. Like I think it's it's I, I love how faithful it is personally. But I'm also someone who loves the original Dragon Warrior and Final Fantasy One. So you know I love how faithful it is. But if you want something that's a more modern experience, but still be able to experience that initial uh, um, Legend of the Holy Sword, then Sword of Mana is probably better. Hmm. I would I would say if you have someone to play with, uh, Trials of Mana. Um, Super Nintendo version is multiplayer, and the one that's coming out on the Switch is going to be single player. You could always, you know, grab a friend and play the the trials with the buddy. And it's trial and trials does kind of have that replay value thing going on because you play different characters or yeah. There's three different there's three different main storylines and uh, six different characters that you can combine in you know whatever six factorial is yeah. So and six times three them, factorial, I'm not sure. Each of them has multiple classes that you can change, yep. which fundamentally alters how they play. A great they each deal. have uh, light and dark paths so they can go down, because there's there's the initial light and dark, and then there's light, 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 dark, dark, uh, dark light, dark, dark. Wow. Sounds intense. So Sounds there's, awesome. There's four, four final classes for all six characters, mm-hmm. all with different strengths and weaknesses. Hopefully, uh, I've, I've got to stop for the night, people. I'm sorry. My, my okay. voice is just not. Good night. See you hey. later. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully in the Switch version of Trials of Mana, they'll fix Duran's shields because in yeah, the Super Nintendo bad. version, he, they didn't really have any purpose. And there was only one uh, class that could use them. I think that was Light Light. I think so, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, there's there's definitely room for improvement on uh, the Super Nintendo version, and I'm looking forward to it. I haven't purchased the collection yet, but I'll probably get it at one this year. I have it on pre-order because I want the physical edition. Yeah, I yeah. I do too. I'm double dipping. Yep, I'm double dipping on try on on the remake when it comes out, but I, I could not pass up that uh, the physical edition, especially since apparently they're not going to make very many copies of it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay, well, cool. Um, speaking of, it's not really a remake or anything like that I have, but it's it's sort of kind of a spiritual uh, deal. Uh, I've been playing um, Soul uh, Seraph. Any of y'all heard of that one? Yeah, the Actraiser. Mm-hmm, yeah. The Actraiser is a spiritual successor and whatnot. I, I never played the original, 
ActRaiser, but I certainly have seen enough gameplay on YouTube and retro discussions and the such to have a very firm grasp on what the game was like and what made it, you know, su- such an experience and the such. I, I, I can't say that I'm enjoying Soul Seraph very much. I will be doing a write-up for the site, but I am... Every time I sit down on my PlayStation, I'm like, I should play more, but I don't want to play more. <laughs> I'm assuming it's more based on the first act raiser as opposed to the second yeah yeah so it's definitely based on the first act raiser you have a city building component you're a you're a deity uh people pray to you all this other fun stuff and you you, uh at the beginning of of a new land you have a side scrolling deal where i mean it's just a hack and slash side scroller you got the wings it's very similar to act raiser you look like a little angel guy with the sword uh, or a big angel guy with the sword whatever and you go and you beat the crap out of everything moving left to right you gotta clear all the monsters once you do that then you kind of fly up into the air you can see the land and there's some people talking to each other in a cutscene. Uh, about how bad things are and, and they need their deity to help them out. And at that point, you start in a, you start building up the town and it becomes a kind of like a tower defense strategy game at that point because uh, you can build farms which give food, which basically is your population cap is your food. And then you build houses which actually have the people move in. So when you got the, the food to support them and you send them out to chop wood which are definitely going to need to build more buildings uh especially tower defense buildings like towers that shoot arrows and barracks that put soldiers on the ground that could slow the monsters down do a little bit of damage while the arrows finish them off uh you also have god powers that you can activate when the monsters are coming in on a trail towards the town uh, and as you destroy these guys, uh, they'll give you some sort of soul currency, which you need in order to build these little temple doodads next to the enemy layers. Because until you do that, you can't enter the enemy layers. But once you build the little temple thing, then the, the, the darkness clears around the layer. And then you can go back, you can attack the layer, which takes you back to the side-scrolling thing. And some of the side-scrolling deals, they're just boards where you got to clear out, you know, a couple of waves of monsters. Other ones... Especially the boss ones, you need to go from left to right or right to left or up to down or whatever, and you've got to get to the end. Uh, and there might be a couple of choke points along the way where you have to kill some monsters uh, and the such. My 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 gripe with this game is it, it really feels old school without really retaining a lot of the charm. Uh, it doesn't, like, for the city building, I love tower defense games, actually. Like, this should be right up my alley, because I, I, I'm one of those weird freaks. I could sit there and play tower defense games all day. But there needs to be a little bit of depth, and really, it's just, you've got a couple of basic towers. Um, the, the population building and the wood gathering is a pretty simple, pretty simple deal. And the, and the graphics, when the monsters are coming towards your town, very small, very tiny. It's hard to tell what's going on. It's hard to tell who's damaging what. Uh, you can kind of zoom in because it's a 3D game, so you can, you can zoom in and get a better idea. But it's, it's just not very kinetic and, and fun to watch. Uh, and there's no upgrade paths. It's not like you may upgrade the towers to make them better. Maybe that's later on in the game, but I'm like three or four lands in now. And it's unlocked a couple of new towers. Uh, I got a wizard tower that can shoot down a straight line. Uh, but that's about it. There's not a lot of variety of buildings. There's doesn't seem to be any upgrade path for any of them unless I'm missing something. Uh, and and once the, you kill off the waves, you go and you build a little temple thing to clear off the clouds, assuming you got enough souls out of that wave, um, or you wait for another wave. If the waves get to the center of your town, if enough monsters, uh, you get like five points of so five monsters worth come through, 
uh, game over, and it'll reload the last, you know, right, usually right before the wave started. Uh, so, uh, and, and the side-scrolling bit, the action bit, it, it, the graphics are decent, uh, but they're not great. Like, technically, they're, 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 they're decent, but, like, art direction-wise, it just feels dialed in. The 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 attacking and everything feels very Super Nintendo in that your movements feel kind of stiff and limited. You don't have a lot of different combinations or anything along those lines. It just maybe that's what they were kind of going for, but it's really kind of frustrating when little monsters will get in nicks on your health because you, you know the controls feel like they're from 1992. (laughs) <laughs> and 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 there's a bunch of these little uninspired you know enemies doing kind of the same mechanics all the time and just kind of recycle from land to land there'll be a couple of new things here and there but there's a lot that are just palette swapped um and they just they don't feel very surprised the most surprising thing these things do is they will come out of the background and so it's a 2d side scroller right but you'll see these enemies in the background and they'll start heading towards the you know the camera so to speak and once they reach your plot the, the 2d plane your heroes on you can attack them they can attack you sometimes it feels kind of cheap because you're attacking other things you kind of see them coming and there's not really a great way to get out of the way it's hard to tell are they exactly here yet they're not here yet you know you're attacking the first couple of times it might be kind of cool but then it starts kind of getting old when lots of monsters start doing it um yeah it's just it's I don't know. It, it, it's just not great. The, when I watch, I watch some of the uh, game footage. I went back and watched some of the game footage from from ActRacer, and you saw how some of those levels were designed, and you see the art direction. There was definitely a lot more TLC put into the level design and the art direction. So it feels like this game retains kind of like the stiffness of that Super Nintendo title. I mean, definitely the ActRaiser avatar was not fast-moving or anything along those lines. So I'm guessing that's what they, they try to emulate. And I guess for that part, they did a good job. But there, when you take away from how well those boards were designed that were around all of that, and they look kind of generic, um, it just it takes away you know, a lot of desire to want to play it. Um, don't see why if you're doing kind of like a spiritual successor why you couldn't have modernized the gameplay a bit made the character more fun to actually jump around and and slice up monsters i'm all about visceral combat i want to get in there i just i want to get there and kill a bunch of things that's why like even i even like the 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 muso games because the the, the well done ones where i just want to go in there and kick the crap out stuff and feel good doing it and this game just feels like uh Oh man, I just got hit again because of this cheap shot, and my character wasn't responsive enough, or I could only attack in two directions. Like you got this, you got you got this, um, you got an arrow that takes some of your magic meter to shoot, but it only shoots forward and forty-five degrees up, and that's it. I mean, it it, it feels super old school, right? So it, it wouldn't probably wouldn't be as bad if everything was designed around it was designed well it just feels kind of dialed in uninspired there's some there's some there's some story i think another thing that's a really huge missed opportunity is in act razor there is more connection between the real-time strategy game and the side-scrolling thing like the the people that you would help out would give you gifts that would help you out in your side-scrolling adventures and you were earning levels that would affect 
you know, uh, your character's abilities and, and what kind of skills you had when you went to the side-scrolling thing. Here, there's no levels to be gained. Uh, it doesn't seem like the people... They, 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 there will be cutscenes where they'll talk to each other and talk about, hey, yay, the god is doing this for us, whoopee. But there's no interaction. There's no real RPG decisions being made. It's more just cutscenes as you're going through the motions. Um, the only decision you make is what order you want to tackle these lands in, because you can exit out any time and go and tackle a different land, like you. I think you could in the original uh, game. So there's that, but not a whole lot of interaction with the people that you're supposed to be uh, protecting. There was there was more of that in the old 16-bit game than there is here. So I, I would not rush out and and grab this. Oh, I got that off my chest. Woo! Well, that's all peachy. Well, hmm. Well, I that, think we're running out of steam. Well, we'll go yeah, ahead. That reminded me. Go ahead. Um, the Final Fantasy VII Fort Condor power defense. Oh, I yeah. How, <laughs> I wonder how that's going to be implemented in the new game. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're smart. They just won't. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, we'll go ahead and, and, and call it a, a night. We will remind you all, of course, that RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your source for news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Head on over, check out everything that we got going on there, including our coverage of JRPG July, um, reviews, impressions, share your comments with us. Uh, you can go to the latest podcast and leave comments about the old podcast. Just always do it on the latest one. We'll read your comments on there. You can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at JC Servant. Mr. Minky is at you, Mason. You can hit up the staff at RP Gamer as well on Twitter. Or come join us on Discord if you head over to RPGamer.com. Uh, head over to community tab at the top. It's easy to find information on how to join us on Discord. We would love to hear from you. We have all kinds of different channels set up to hear those discussions so um to hold those discussions so we'd love to love to do that you can also hit me up at jcservant at rpgamer.com uh usually mr minky would say something kind of witty at this point of the evening i will simply tell you um despite the fact ending us on a little bit of a sour note we're talking about soul seraph we have talked about a lot of really awesome uh, games whether it was ease or the uh tales of Manila folders or uh, the the secret of mana games. So lots of ways to go out and celebrate JRPG July's JRPG July. So find something and go play it and have a good night. 